Welcome back, everybody, to We Want More, the Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality podcast, uh, or analysis podcast, I should say, um, in association with Doof Media, which I meant to plug at the very, very beginning, but here we are. Speaking of we, I'm Stephen Zuer, and with me, as always, is my co-host... Brian Deacon. Hello, everybody. And as we can all tell, I'm feeling super organized tonight, so why don't you take the charge, Brian? Who? What are we talking about tonight? Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about chapters 29 and 30, part 1 and 2. Um, egocentric bias is chapter 29, and um, what are the names of... I'm terrible at uh, chapter names... Uh, 30 is working in groups. That's what it is. And they kind of all, this time, it's sort of all around the uh, their giant uh, Ender's Game battle with uh, Quarrel. <laughs> um, which, I, like, at first I would, like, thought, wasn't sure, like, are they explicitly going for some Ender's Game stuff? Because when he had called it, like, battle magic before. But yes, we are. Um, so, yeah, so, like, 29 is sort of the build-up to... The great battle that happens in 30 and 31 but i really like um all of this this week um everything was really cool um so why don't we just dive in awesome cool. yeah i like this too it is definitely a change of pace and it's like you said it couldn't be more enders gamey yeah. well i guess it literally could be but um as far as containing it within hogwarts it's fantastic and harry has clearly read enders game and is not shying away from having mm-hmm. fun with it so um yeah so chapter 29 starts out for with a hermione pov and she is overcoming the annoyance of or i guess dealing with the annoyance of being a side character in someone else's story and how annoying that is yeah and we spend most of this chapter in um her pov don't we i think we do we bounce around a little between characters during these three chapters but i think this one yeah i really like again like i really like how he writes hermione it's it's very like doesn't feel I'm curious, as I'm about to say doesn't feel forced feels very natural I'd be like really curious like how some actual female thought the uh, female character was being written but it's also really I think kind of a bigger theme for me this week the stuff I read is like oh there's like is like a regular non douchebag side to this um, because it, we had to like multiple like really likable characters uh, in this but um, what I really liked about Hermione in here is like, like, so we're, we're like in her head in terms of like, so she's worried about, she's like, damn it. Like everybody is now just seeing me as rival to Harry Potter, not just as my own person. And to me, like, it felt like a really sort of like believable and like not cliched version of it. It wasn't just like, you know, like some out of the book, you know, personal wellness, blah, blah version of it and not like and not super like you know victimy or or vindictive about it she was just like you know what i've i accidentally turned into somebody who only exists in relationship to harry potter and she's kind of bummed out about that and she sort of like thinks a little bit about like like it was dumb for her to try to get into a romance with him and that that maybe like backfired on her and that she didn't really want to it was just sort of the thing that seemed like one would do um but yeah, I like how it talked. It talked about. It didn't. It didn't feel like it was like beating you over the head with it, and it felt like it was like, you know, the real sort of, you know, inner thoughts of an actual person going through this. So, and I think awesome. you pulled. Yeah, you totally pulled a good agree. quote about it. Um, yeah. So she had said she wanted to be a separate person again instead of Harry Potter's third leg. Was that too much to ask? And then the other quote, just a couple paragraphs later, I pulled a quote that said, uh, uh, "She, what was it?" She wanted, I can't even, it was just a good line. Um, she wanted to think of something to do yeah. that would get her out, 
you know, get people to not stop thinking about that way. And she would, and so what she said was, something to do that wouldn't be seen as pushing up on the opposite end of Harry Potter's seesaw. I thought that was really good. There, but uh, in this chapter, there were several places where it was just like a really good line. It was like a really well written little bit. It wasn't not necessarily that it was like such a huge part of the story. Anything. I'm like, oh, that was a good little sentence right there. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad it's. I think, um, you know, I I think it's had this stride for a bit, but I'm glad that uh, to an outsider, it's sinking in a bit. And it's also, you know, taking things a little differently. I think there was some legitimate concern that there was going to be like this whole romantic angle. Um, which, you know, if this book went on for their first seven years at Hogwarts, like fine, whatever, they're teenagers, but it'd be kind of weird if they're forcing 11 year olds into that sort of situation. And it, my read on it was that Hermione didn't even really, like, it wasn't so much that she was like, oh, this is, let's have a, you know, I want, I want to be in a romantic relationship. She was like, oh, this is what the protagonist does. She finds, she picks a sidekick person and makes that the romantic interest. And yeah, and it was neither, it was, wasn't about Harry and it wasn't even really about being in any kind of relationship. It was just like, oh, this is what one does. This is like, this is again, being sort of like meta aware of being a character is like, this is what the important person in the story does right now. Nice. Yeah. So what happens next is Hermione, in her decision to stop being the, like, I mean, yeah, NPC is, I mean, she's a named character in Harry's, you know, video game of this story. She, you know, her name isn't like village resident, but it's also not, you know, she she doesn't feel like a player character. Yeah. Uh, She doesn't want to be recognized as one. She doesn't want to be the supporting actor in the Harry Potter book. Exactly. Like, and and she gives lots of good examples that you said, I feel like we're kind of like humanizing and realistic. You know, yeah. the, the part that hurt wasn't that when she scored a 98 and one of her on one of Professor McGonagall's tests, the news wasn't that Hermione Granger had scored the highest in the class. The news was that Harry Potter's rival had scored seven more points than him. And it's like, she's just like her, her vibe of, I want to be recognized. I'm doing this stuff is totally believable. I love yeah. it. Um, so she, in order to <laughs> do something more for herself, she needs to talk to somebody she would have to fight someone evil and she would need to ask for the help of someone even more evil. It's funny how like she's sort of weirdly like she's just seeing her life as being a thing in a story. Almost more so yeah. than Harry. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, in her defense, like Quirrell and, and Draco is who she's talking about here. You know, both just emanate evilness. But she has just I, I love her. It, it's I can't think of the word for it. We tried to hit on it in the retro episode. There's there's just a, a way of what it is to like, think like Hermione, and I, I love whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But um, So she's like raising her hand to the door, and she's faltering because she doesn't want to lose mm-hmm. a quarrel point. And then the door swings open, and and Professor Quirrell answers. And he said, dear me, said the spider sitting in its web. <laughs> Was it really that hard to lose a single quarrel point, Miss Granger? And she just stood there with her hand raised, chinks growing pink. It had been. Well, Miss Granger, I shall be merciful," said the evil the Professor Quirrell. I love how that she just narrates him that. And I actually, I, I pictured him like sitting at his desk with like his feet up on the desk, and he just like magic the door open, and he's just like of sitting course. there. So, yeah, that was a cool scene. What, and the other, the other thing about the scenes, we don't really know, do we? I don't think we know what she came there to ask him about. It just sort of like then walks away, like she came in here to talk about something with him, and then nothing. Like we don't yeah, know. no, it certainly wasn't yeah. clear to me on my first read through what what's going on here. Um, but then, I, I like their whole interaction where she's like, 
Professor Mc- or wait, so yeah, he's like, was it really that hard to lose a single quarrel point? She's like, and he yeah. says, consider it already lost. <laughs> or he says, I shall be merciful. Consider it already lost. There, I've taken a hard choice from you. Are you not grateful? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's, she's like, I have a lot of quarrel points, don't I? And you do indeed. Though one less than you had before. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? Just think, if I don't like your reason for coming here, you could lose another 50. Maybe I'd take them away one by one. By one. He was a lot more, um, <laughs> like, mustache twirly these few chapters. Yeah. I get the sense that he, he, he's reading Hermione right. perfectly and he's just fucking with her for yeah, the yeah. fun of it. No, but he's sort of, like, melodramatically, like, yeah. Oh, totally. She even says, you're really evil. Did anyone ever tell you that? Which actually is more, like, badassy, like, teacher smackdown mm-hmm. than I'd expect from Hermione. Uh, yeah, and his response it was, it can be dangerous to give people compliments like that when they've not been truly earned. The recipient might feel bashful <laughs> and undeserving and want to do something worthy of your praise. He was like, oh yeah, you want, I could show you evil. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's that's quite a compliment. Don't make mm-hmm. me feel like I have to live up to it. It's just delightful. Um, and then there's a scene change and it's Harry and Hermione in the library and they'd had this whole plan to try and just skim all the titles, then have Hermione memorize all the tables of contents. But because they're both Ravenclaws, they stopped to read books because mm-hmm. they're in a library. So, like, And there was another good um, line here that, again, it's like not super important. It was just a good line. It's that, so while she's reading, it says, Hermione was occupying a stuffed chair much too large for her, like she was the Hermione center of a candy shell. I know, I it's just a good too. line. It's just, yeah, a few of those. I don't know what I don't know how something I'm I'm not a writer. I don't know if I've said that outright to you or not. I'm sure I have, but I have no idea how someone thinks of a line like that. I could say like, Oh yeah, the chair was super comfortable or something, but the Hermione center of a candy uh-huh. shell, that's like the most adorable yeah. thing in the world. Um Yeah, then the other so the thing I made see. so then yeah, they're like both and this is sort of a uh repeat not a repeat, but like another instance of Harry's little thing about like, Oh, I can't walk past a book. And not read it. And that, it made me think when they're like kind of both doing this and they're sort of like both just like chill, like like little kids in parallel play, like they're just sitting there both reading that it's sort of like a cute little thing that they have in common, even though like this is like it's totally not realistic that like, oh, we just can't put like, one walks past books a lot. You cannot read every single one you walk past. Um, but well, it's like you don't defense, care. It's just, yeah, I mean, are... it's just a cute thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. I like, though, that, too, they both pick books that are, like, super specific oh, to their character. Like, Hermione picks up magical mnemonics. They're like, oh, my God, this can let you memorize stuff better. And Harry picks up the Skeptical Wizard because he's like, oh, my God, capital S, Skeptic. I got to check this out. I got the And I got and the little reference drop later that it's by Shermer. To Michael Shermer? Yeah. I was so, going to point that out. You know, although it said nothing about that other, other than dropping the name. But. Yeah. And it, I guess it seems to imply that at least he's so, yeah, we, we can wizards. talk about it so and maybe he yes. must be a wizard or something, I guess, which is adorable because mm-hmm. that, you know, magic and, so and skepticism. And yeah. uh, just like Rogerus Baconus. Right. <laughs> Did I, t- I can't remember if I actually said that. Oh, yeah, no, because we got lost in the quarrel thing because that's, I had like just gone off to Google, like, who the hell's Roger Bacon because I never heard of him. Um, and then apparently really was called Rogerus Baconus. Like, that was one of his pen names. I'm like, that's kind of a. Oh, that's, that's really like, funny. You didn't hear that. Incontinentia buttocks. Rogerus Bacanus. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Pseudo Latin's tight. Anyway, so they've got the. Uh, so in Harry's book, he's. I love like. So he has like these reactions, these outbursts when he's reading by himself. Yeah. And he's just like, oh no, he didn't. And then um, when he's telling Hermione the story, she, she reacts the exact same way. Um, mm-hmm. 
Or she says those same words. But anyway, so what, what's the story? What's Harry reading about in The Skeptical Wizard? So uh, Jan Reese is like, oh, this is why you never asked the Weasleys about their pet rat, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, oh, this is like such an, a famous story that it's even you know been put into a book that you can pick up off the shelf in a, in a library. But that- If I recall, I think Draco made mention of it when he met Ron at Nine and Three Quarters. Really? Um, <laughs> I, I, oh, I yeah. What's that? I yeah, it was just sort of like he says something that about their pet rat. Yeah, I think he does. I, yeah, I guess at that time I only got the impression it was just sort of like one kid making fun of another kid's like lame pet. But, but right, yeah, so yeah, anyways, like, oh, so yeah, you got this. You got this really cool pet, you know, fucking vermin, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I got this fancy owl that whatever. Um, but when it, when it turns out, it's actually some traumatic family story. Uh-huh. So nice dick move, Draco. Um, yeah, so Harry's sort of like reciting, and I don't think we ever. I think that so Harry starts talking about like the whole episode not episode but the the incident with how Sirius Black was sent to Azkaban and about how he was thought to I can't even remember now was it because it wasn't it was that yeah Peter Pettigrew died but that wasn't the only he was that he killed a whole bunch of people or something um falsely accused um so it's sort of retelling that there's a little line that I thought was kind of cool because I never thought of it that way that it's a Sirius Black as the wizarding Lee Harvey Oswald because just sort of like like <laughs> people got killed and now you want to know who it was and everybody's just got some theory um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so it's sort of like kind of retelling the whole Peter Pettigrew rat animagus thing from the original. It didn't sound like there was, it didn't really depart from the original story uh, much around that. Um, but yeah, then it talks about, um, that what's it? Is it Bill Weasley? I always get the older, the other one. Yeah. Bill was, he's the oldest, I think. Um, that, did I tell you, just interject, that I once won a trivia contest when I, I think it must have been the release of the sixth or seventh book at like a bookstore, midnight release. They were doing trivia contests to pass the time and they got sick of calling on me because I, I was answering all the questions. <laughs> and I think the prize was like a, a, you know, bookmark or something pointless. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be, you know, show off as a kid. And they eventually were like, all right, fine. Name all the Weasleys in order, like ascending order of age. And so I did, including the two owls. And I assumed that they're like decrepit owls older than both the parents. And after that, I stopped raising my hands just because I felt like I had beaten them. It was did, a good they, time. did they expect you to get hey. Fred and George in the right order? Is, that, is it even established which one of them is older than the other one? I don't recall. It's Fred George. Um, I might have said Fred slash George. I don't know. I, at the time, I know I got it right and that I had annoyed them. But anyway, I'm getting a sidetrack. Yes, Twins like, you're right always that Bill knew which one was born first. Right, but I don't know if they told us in the book. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I can't remember that either. But anyway, yeah, so it talks uh, about Charlie so or Bill is the oldest. That, yeah, I think. And that, yeah, and then we asked everybody on Discord today what the other reference was. So that Bill apparently like shows up at the Weasley house, grabs Scabbers the rat, and says, "Oh my God, this is Peter Pettigrew," and like runs off, and I think what takes him to like um, Dumbledore or something. And they, yeah, they. Oh yeah, he summons. Scene. He manages to get Dumbledore, the Minister of Magic, and the Head Or. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they named the spell or something they did like the like oh and now we'll find out so they did the like oh then he will have to turn back if blah 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 and as we're reading this we're all expecting like oh okay and then they actually discovered that it was actually Peter Pettigrew and it turns out in, in this universe it totally wasn't um, and then oh, I've lost the spot where I where I pulled it but and and that it turns out that uh, Bill Weasley's just crazy and uh, had and was saying I traveled back in time I'm 97 years old I've traveled back in time to let everybody know about Peter Pettigrew and it turns out like it's not true and Bill is crazy and is getting successfully treated with antipsychotic medication 
Um, kind of makes you wonder what the magical equivalent is of antipsychotics. Like, do they, do they go to Muggle Pharmacy and give them? I should know the name of some of these pills. Rachel, my wife talks about them all the time because with her patients. Like, but in any case, the, the, I don't know the, if they fill the them out. The, the one flew over the cuckoo's nest drug was, I think, Haldol. Was the make you drool? Yeah, that's the um, the comatose drug, yeah. basically. Uh, anyway, yeah, so he's responding to magical or possibly muggle antipsychotics, and it's back to normal, and everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Except for people don't ask about serious black conspiracy theories, and never ask the Weasleys about the family rat. But yeah, the reference that you had the Discordians dig up was uh, he had gone back in time to visit his younger self via train station. That's right. And there was a trope. What was that? Uh, what was it? Well, they, Peggy yeah, Sue Peggy was Sue, the name yeah, of the trope. And guess, yeah, the, and I can like remember there was a terrible movie in the like, 80s, and Peggy Sue got married. I think Nicolas Cage was in mm. it, I think. I can't remember. Oh, it sounds like a great movie, then. Yeah, it's not so good. And then, what's her name? Nicolas Cage is a national treasure. <laughs> I can't, I'm, like, forgetting the name of the actress that played Peggy Sue, but, yeah, there's some, like, lame, like, travel back in time and fix your past, back to the future-ish kind of thing. Hmm. But, yeah, so that's being, that's called a Peggy Sue, apparently. Wonderful. I feel better for knowing that. So, yeah, that's the, the story of the, the Weasley family <laughs> rat, which I always... I like that a lot. It's just, it, you know, again, it has that same sort of vibe like we talked about last week. I'm like not shitting on canon, yeah. but the, the canon version did beg the question, and everyone thought about this, you know, like what was he doing sleeping in a child's bed? And like, why mm-hmm. live with the Weasleys when he could just could run just... over to the Malfoys and be like, hey, by the way, I'm actually this awesome dark Death Eater yeah. guy. I should be your friend, right? Um, I could have just bailed. Then again, it just occurred to me. Man, this is actually a good explanation. He probably didn't go to the Malfoys and say, by the way, I told Voldemort where to find the Potters because if he had, and I'm talking canon, then uh, they'd be like, well, then you're the one who led to him getting killed. So really, he doesn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. No wonder he spent his whole life as a rat. Yeah, and he was uh, he had to like suck up to Voldemort. when Once Voldemort finally came back, he had, I can't remember exactly, but like Voldemort was all pissed off at him about something. He had to beg for mercy and got his hand chopped off like or some shit. I can't remember. Yeah, that was part of the spell to resurrect. Ah, yeah. oh, that's right. Blood of the servant willingly sacrificed or something. In any case, I liked Harry's plan. It was just like, get some plastic surgery and go live in the Bahamas. But <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you were a, a wizard living secretly among muggles, life would be crazy easy. I mean, if, I'm not If wrong. a wizard gets plastic surgery to completely change how they look, and then somebody else polyjuices themselves with that guy's hair or whatever, do they end up looking like his plastic surgery self or his before plastic surgery self? Questions. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I am going to guess they'd look like the plastic surgery self. I guess there's got to be some magic involved, because if they like had a beard or something, they would have the beard. So. Well, then, like, magic it, just knows. It wouldn't be just a matter of like DNA, because like then the obvious antidote to like being impersonated via polyjuice would be to dye your hair, right? So like if you're the minister of just magic, you just have like I don't know, you change your hair color every morning with dye, and then that, anyone who wants to polyjuice mm-hmm. you would have to then subsequently dye their hair. At least that'd slow them down a little bit. I don't know, I'm, <laughs> I'm overthinking it. But then Hermione gets to go off to gym class. I mean broomstick writing. Broomstick writing. Another her, good line. And she said, Harry tagged along as she walked there, even though this even though his own classes class wasn't until an hour and a half later, like a fighter jet escorting a sad little propeller plane on its way to its own funeral. That's another <laughs> good line. Although a weird mixed metaphor, propeller plane on the way to its own funeral. It was just another good line. I liked it. I, I liked it too. Uh, everything about her whole uh, 
day in gym class is hilarious, but the boy wished or the boy the boy wished her a goodbye in a quiet, sympathetic voice, and she walked into the grassy fields of Doom, capital term. D Doom. And then it's just like this kind of like run on sentence mm-hmm. of like how scary it is. She's she's trying not to die, and then after ten million years, the class ended, and she's back on the ground where she belonged until next Thursday. Sometimes she had nightmares about it always <laughs> being Thursday. Yeah, and then I love her and then so much. The last line. Uh, was it, nobody actually needed to ride broomsticks as an adult. It was like being forced to play dodgeball in PE. At least Harry had the decency to be ashamed of being good at it. <laughs> good line. Love so it. what happens? What's next? They go to... Next, she's helping some people oh, that's right. their homework. Oh, isn't it weird? Yeah, so, which again was got like, and I like that it went back to this because it was just sort of this like charming thing of Hermione that she just really likes helping people. Um but there was a weird line. So she's teaching what I can't what is the spell is for them to like dispose of trash, the disposal charm. Um, and so Flitwick asks her to help out these four other students. And then there was this strange line that I didn't understand. Maybe you can explain it to me. It said, um, an hour later, Hermione had concluded that one, Leanne and Megan were sort of sloppy, but if you asked them to keep practicing something, they would. And two, Hannah and Susan were focused and driven to the point where you had to keep telling them to slow down and relax and think about things instead of trying so hard. And then this part I didn't didn't understand. She said, it was odd to think that those two would soon be hers. What did, so, what did that mean? Yeah, that jumped out at me too on my first read. And then even on this one until I remembered that she knows, but we don't, that she's the general of an army now. Oh, okay, that completely didn't make any sense. Yeah. That's, that's almost... That's so like I don't know idea. if it points out that... I think I think it does in the aftermath chapter that points out explicitly that they're in her mm-hmm. army. But yeah, when you so is when this they, theoretically you after the I didn't get I didn't get the sense that we were like doing time jumping in this chapter. This, this is just after she talked to Quirrell, yeah. so it's still in order. Um, so she knows that she's a general, yeah. and I guess who her soldiers are. But she does, you know, we we haven't yeah. been told yet. So that line is like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. They would soon be hers. Um, anyway. Uh, Let's see her. She leaves because the, I guess she's done. They're on the way to dinner and Harry's reading a book while he waited to escort her, which I like this because it, from her, Hermione's point of view, it kind of points out exactly what's sort of like weird and sad about Mm -hmm. that. It made her feel flattered, but also a little worried because Harry didn't seem to really talk to anyone besides her. Yeah. And then Harry's asking like, Hey, so, you know, the armies that's coming up, right? And you're going to join. And, um, She's like, uh, well, actually, I already did. And he's like, oh, cool, great. Well, uh, you know, um, I, my army's already full, but I'm sure I can add you if I talk to Professor Quirrell. And she's like, I'm not going to be in your army. Yeah. And he's like, well, wait, like, not Draco's, right? But certainly then not the third army. We don't even know who the, know who the general is. And she's kind of pissed because yeah. it hasn't even occurred to him that, like, I mean, in, in her in her. In Harry's defense, it didn't occur to me either. I don't think on my first read of like exactly what's happening here, but about whether or not like who the third army would be. I think I or the, who the third uh, general would yeah, be. Yeah, that was kind of telling. So like, to, oh, I, at least when I read it, I'm like, oh, okay, we know who that's going to be. In my defense, it was like five years ago. My memory is a little vague. But, and you're not so smart. Um, and what? <laughs> so then, not, not as smart. Not so, that's definitely true. So yeah, I'm about as sharp as a bowling ball. <laughs> Um, oh wait! I want to jump back. So right before they started talking about the the army uh, and the battle stuff, uh, Hermione had kind of gone off um, about Coral to Harry, and I me mean, there was like just an interesting interchange because so she's like 
what did she say? The armies of the evil Professor Quirrell is what she says. And so like Harry and her kind of go back and forth with Harry giving his like very stilted version of like, oh, well, you know, all the stuff he does is really useful. And so he's not bad. And you'll see hmm. that he's right and blah, blah, blah. He's not. He's all fanboying. Well, let, me, let me clarify Harry's position. Harry says he's not evil. He's a little bit dark and a whole lot Slytherin. But that's not the same thing as being evil. Mm-hmm. And then she says, oh, but then she's had, like, I was, she made me shoot things. people. Then she talked about how like they were shooting that about how he was going to have her try just try to shoot somebody at random in that first scene in um, Defense Against Dark Arts. And then Harry came back with, well, he was right. I'm sorry, Hermione, but he was. You should have shot me. I wouldn't have minded. And so he's kind of going back to this whole, like, you know, try to justify everything. It's not, it's, it yeah, is a that great... Part, that part I'm on board with yeah, you with. A great relief to my, like, cognitive dissonance that, like, when we can... Now, like, when we're seeing Harry being, like, completely, like, deluded and confused, it's at least, like, I can see that that, that we are supposed to think that he is deluded and confused. <laughs> so, so, but that was interesting, and I wasn't quite sure exactly how to... What to make of it exactly, but the, the next sentence after that was... So she's, like, trying to, like, she can't understand how to, you know, convince Harry of, like, how wrong that situation was. She says, Hermione was only 12, and so she knew, but she couldn't put it into words. And she couldn't find the thing to say that would convince Harry. <clears throat> and, then, and then a little bit later, she just says, Professor Quirrell was evil, and these are just thoughts that she's having to herself. And I thought it was interesting that it wasn't, at, le- at least from, like, I feel like I'm so, like, whingy and kumbaya when, I, when we talk about it. That like, But, like, the way Hermione was thinking about it sort of feels like how I've been was, like, you know, you know I can't, like, sort of parse some, like, logical explanation about why this is fucked up it just feels fucked up and i'm gonna like and i kind of more trust that sense of it feeling fucked up um than than like these uncomfortable you know strained you know logicalizing about what may or may not be good about how everybody's been acting um or as stephen colbert would say it just feels truthy um (laughs) and but i wasn't really because i I like that because like this we had a very sort of like very nice kind of deep look in the Hermione just you know kind of being deeply involved in Hermione's thoughts in in this whole chapter and it all seemed very sort of natural and um and I don't know how to say it, like not self-assured but it's like she's comfortable with it, with with her thoughts about this stuff and she's not really doubting herself she's just not clear how to communicate it and maybe not even necessarily sure about why she knows it but she says that she knows it these all sound like very not rationalisty things um, so I wasn't really sure how to make it, but uh, the thing I liked about it though, was like, uh, and what it made me think in general about these few chapters a lot was about like suspension of disbelief stuff. And there's a lot of stuff in, that comes up later that we'll talk about that where I was realizing like, oh, it's taking like a significant, especially like the way the battles and stuff comes up later. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff here that takes a, requires a big whopping amount of suspension of disbelief on my part. And it made me realize that, and but it was it totally worked, and that the big part of it is that at least like for me, and I think I've said something similar to this before, but like you need to want to suspend disbelief. So it's not so much about like how much do you have to do it, but like how much do you want to? And I think what helped a lot about this, like there were like just a lot more likable characters, and not that it was just Hermione. I mean, it helped a lot that it was Hermione, but even like Harry. Like, just the, the people were more relatable in this, and then that kind of makes you more want to, like, go along for the ride with the things that happen in the plot that maybe, like, are kind of silly and, and unrealistic, but you're kind of more motivated to do it. And I think, and that's what's been harder, like, the other parts where I'll, I, I myself will just get all like, oh, that's bullshit, that wouldn't have happened, blah, blah, blah. And made me realize, like, you get, or at least me, like, get more in the 
cranky mood to do that when you're not relating to the people that are going through it as much. And so you just start nitpicking at the things that are going on. Um, so, and, that, and that's, I, I really like these chapters and I think that was a lot of it that you're sort of like relating to everybody in this um, and sort of like getting excited and going along for the ride and kind of wanting to believe it all. And so I would like, even as I'm in it being like, oh, I just swallowed a whole big pile of totally unbelievable stuff right here, but it was totally fine. So, because the battle stuff that comes up later is super theatrical and totally not realistic in the slightest. And like, you know, it was, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that's completely ridiculous about it, but I, you know, I totally loved it. It was really cool. So, well, it is magic, but no, I like that whole explanation. Like I was talking with, um, with my wife just a couple of days ago about like criticizing a movie and like what it means to, I think like I'll rip apart movies that I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. but I, uh, and then I'll, I'll also like, I'll tear down movies that I really didn't like. Um, you know, so if there's a movie that I watch that like, I just find no redeeming qualities in, I have no compunctions about just like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, credits roll and I'm like, well, this sucked and here's five reasons why. And I'm only going to stop to draw breath. You interrupt me when you're done hearing me. Um, and then like other movies where I really enjoyed it and then I'll sit there and be like, well, wait, what about mm-hmm. this? Oh, okay. Maybe it's that. Um, but like it's that, um, how do I want to put this? The, the short version is just like, yes, when you like it because you like the characters or you like the story or whatever's happening, it's it's in a good natured yeah. way where you can be like, okay, yeah, this didn't make any sense. Or like, maybe I would have done this, but man, that was still really fucking cool. And that comes off in, you know, I think part of it is the word like uh, criticize can mean, you know, a couple, mm. couple of things, right? So it's it's not the best word to use. When, Critique versus criticize. Uh, tra- yeah, when trying to describe the phenomena, like, um, you know, there's constructive criticism or whatever, but, uh, yes, I, I like that yeah. a lot. And, and even like um, it could, somebody could be talking, you could be saying exactly the same things about something and it's more sort of about like your emotion toward the thing. Like you be bitching about like the ridiculousness of Quidditch or whatever, and it's stupid and silly, but like that kind of bitching about it just like is coming from a different place. And that's where I can sort of like, but what a lot of the time irritated me about stuff in here that I think I call like plot policing was like where it, then it will start to just feel like this just, and it's easy to slip into this like desire to just rip shit apart just for the sake of ripping shit apart. And it just feels like it's just coming from a, like a not enjoying it place, but just an enjoying tearing apart in a, in a not affectionate way with the story. Um, and, but it can be completely the same content completely. You could even be like the same words around it, but it's just sort of like you're, your kind of your motivation around doing it or just like the you know the emotions going through you that you do at least for me like feel like one is way more appealing than the other and even like you know we can all just get into like that nasty little and you just like sort of like hating the movie but movie or book or whatever but it's the indulging it for too long and i think that's the difference between like that sort of good natured ripping apart of something you love versus just kind of tearing apart for the sake of tearing apart. So, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Did you see knives out by chance? Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. I wanted to though. You should, it was great. Um, that's a movie that I walked out of and the whole drive home. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm kind of like taking it, taking it apart piece by piece and analyzing it. And, uh, but having a really fun time with it. I think that comes through. Mm-hmm. And then you leave a, a shit movie. Um, I don't know. I could name ten, but I won't. Um, and it like you're you're 
ribbing at it mm-hmm. isn't really good nature. You're pointing out this is all the ways yeah. it sucked. Which even um, that, like we totally, like, you know, you walk out of a shitty movie and you enjoy like, it's like you're like taking revenge on the movie for wasting your time. But like, you sort of like, it's yeah. the only way you can have like, yeah. have it be worth your time is to point out how yeah. bad it was. You like get that out of your system <laughs> and just like be done with it. Cause yeah. And then it just turns into like, right. this kind of little poisonous, like you're just enjoying ripping shit apart. So, but with, but with knives out, my wife and I spent the whole drive home analyzing the movie and like, trying to think of like oh but wait what about this oh yeah of course oh yeah i loved it um it's a lot of fun highly recommend it but that's one where uh you know like he said like ripping apart quidditch mm-hmm. or whatever it's like you, there's a there's a good natured way to do it yeah. a bad natured way to do it but speaking of good natured i wanted to point out that um i well i'll, I'll read the the two quick things so back to like hermione failing to articulate how evil quirrell mm-hmm. was because um she's like she can't find the words to explain it but she she lists like um she's so uh whatever it is professor quirrell had taken a young girl and called up that girl in front of everyone and ordered her to open fire without provocation on a classmate it didn't matter if professor quirrell was right about her needing to learn it professor mcgonagall wouldn't ever have done that professor flitwick wouldn't ever have done that maybe not even professor snape would have done that um like that's it, it, she's she's not able to find the words to articulate but like that's yeah. the difference like Professor McGonagall would never have you do that, and Professor yeah. Quirrell. Would. And I, yeah, like and that. when I read that, I I sort of like replayed in my head, like, okay, what if that, like, I replayed that, putting Professor McGonagall in the in the same spot, and I thought, like, you could be Professor McGonagall could have done that, and even had everybody do exactly the same things, but if you just come at that with a different vibe, where she would be like, okay, everybody, somebody is going to shoot you at random, and it's going to hurt for a little bit. But don't worry, you'll be okay. I'll write you. Shoot somebody at random. Like you could see that all going through. You'd be like, oh, that was kind of hardcore. But you wouldn't get all like weirdly squidged out and, you know, worried about it. Like you could do exactly the same stuff. But just like if there isn't that like malicious intent behind it, it's suddenly like way less awful. Totally. Um, But then speaking of, uh, like I said, good natured stuff, apparently they're going to learn the Patronus charm in January. I know that uh, was weird to me. Which surprises Hermione. Surprised yeah. me too. I'm like, what's well, going on with that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it's just what's fun about it is that uh, I, I guess because they don't learn it until what the third year. Yeah, definitely, it's a plot point in the third book, um, and I guess the author wants to have it in this one. But um, it's what did she say? It's one of the brightest magics known mm-hmm. that can only be cast or cast against the darkest creatures with pure positive emotions. It wasn't something she'd expect the evil Professor Quirrell to teach. Or arranged to be taught, since Hermione couldn't imagine that he could do the spell himself. Um, but then Harry mentions, like, yes, because he's like going to be, he could be our only competent teacher through our entire education here. We've got to capitalize on this opportunity. Um, and that's when he asks her about, did you sign up for the armies? Yeah. Oh, and, then, and there was another line in here oh, that, yeah. that, where she says there was the usual tone of odd worship that Harry's voice had when he talked about Professor Quirrell, and Hermione gritted her teeth and kept walking. I like, and I hit that one too. And I think maybe this was a lot of what I liked about these chapters was like, it is reassuring to me, not that like we need Harry to be likable or whatever, but I need to know that like, that's, that this is on purpose. Um, and I think that's maybe what I've been missing a lot of the time is like this uncomfortable middle ground where I'm like, I can't tell which, you know, is, am I supposed to not think he's being a dick right now? Or am I supposed and so it was like nice to be like, I guess maybe even to like step out and see it from a, from a different character's perspective to be like, okay, yes, all this stuff that I've been like thinking about everybody is like, it's like a sanity check. It's sort of like, yes, you're not, you're not crazy for thinking this. So 
I like that. Larger, there, there were several yeah. things, but he, and then I think even later there was um, maybe I'm misremembering. Remember when we get to it, but I think even like Harry showed some like self awareness about how he was doing as well. So I think it's Draco or something later on yeah. when his point of view he, he says the same thing that Hermione yeah. says basically. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's cool because like I definitely had teachers that I revered the way that Harry reveres Professor Quirrell. Um, but I think fortunately they were all positive influences and they weren't Slytherins, so yeah. it you know was was a better sort of dynamic that way. Oh but, yeah, and you probably weren't you case, probably weren't having to like explain to people why that teacher that you really really loved isn't as awful as they think they are. Like <laughs> it's like a good hint. I I I do I think vaguely remember. Well, no, I was gonna say maybe having to explain like that they're more competent than you maybe are getting like than yeah, some other person I was arguing with was giving them credit for, but. But when in that case, didn't I have to say something like, right, oh, but he didn't, you know, wrong, so. he didn't slap her hard. You probably didn't have to say something like that. <laughs> no, no, it's more just like this. This is a guy. He, he wore tie-dye shirts every day, had a long beard. He was like a retired hippie. Um, and I his teaching those. style was like super laid back. But he clearly knew a lot about his subject. And he was he, he was he actually had a Ph.D. in it and he taught in high school. And it, he wasn't just like, you know. Uh, I took two credits of this at C- at a at CSU, and now I'm able to teach it to you guys. It's like, no, nah, this is like my profession, and I teach you guys because I'm done doing that now. Anyway, he was dope. Um, so Hermione says that she's not joining his army, and mm-hmm. then Draco's like, wait, not or excuse me, Harry says not Draco's surely. So you want to be in the third army, even though even though we don't know who the general is yet. Um, and he sounded surprised and a little wounded, and she couldn't blame him. But of course, she did blame him, since in fact it was all his fault, <laughs> which I like. It's perfect. Um, and he says, "But why not mine?" And she says, "Think about it. Maybe you'll work it out." And then she sped up her stride and left him gaping mm-hmm. behind her. And then this is where it's getting revealed to us that she's going to be the third general. Mm-hmm. So it's Draco's point of view now, and they're in Quirrell's office, I guess, bargaining with her that Hermione shouldn't be a general because she has the killing intention of a yeah. bowl of wet grapes. Now is, yeah, that was a good line. He uses it again. Now, Hermione's yeah. not in the room as he's doing this, right? It's just Draco and Harry no, this and Quirrell. Is, yeah, they yeah. apparently met up after and then gone yeah. to talk to Professor Quirrell. And I liked about this uh, scene is like, yeah. they both, they sounded like so stupidly pompous. Like, I, there was something about the way that they were talking, like totally punching above their weight. Like, they sounded even more like 11-year-olds by trying not to sound like 11-year-olds. Because like what, because um, <laughs> Harry says, Professor Coral, with all due respect to Miss Granger's many outstanding academic talents and the Coral points she has justly earned in your classes, her personality is not suited to military command. Like, there's something about that. So I'm like, you really sound like an 11 year old. I think what I I'd put a note on. I'm like, how the fuck would you know? <laughs> but so I was going to ask you about that. I I think part of it of what relates to like how they're dialoguing with him though is that it, there's a line that they had brainstormed possibilities of how this conversation would go on their way to the office mm. so like if this whole thing sounds rehearsed and practiced that's because it is yeah. which is just funny that like all right how are we going to approach this and they brainstormed multiple possibilities yeah. which i think is just kind of funny and totally them yeah. and well um, yeah and that even that makes me play even more as like these guys think way too much about themselves like they're great military commanders well, at least they, they have an intent to kill, answer. but... Yeah. Well, yeah, but, it, well, but even that, you're like, well, no, they're not really going to... Nobody's... This is all just like, you know, playtime, pretend. I think we're supposed to think this, but we... And because I don't... We're certainly not supposed to see any of this is like, you know, admirable behavior on their part that they're just trying to like make sure that Hermione's not in it. The other thing that occurred to me as I'm reading is I'm like, why did they care? Like, 
they're like, oh, it, like it's more like they want it to only be like just the best kind of battle, and she's not the worthy. I don't know if it's that they think she's not a worthy opponent or whatever, but it's, um, but that's that was another thing it made me think is like why it, this is just turning into just a another little contest. The Hermione being in it is in itself some little contest that Harry doesn't want to lose just because he thinks that she shouldn't be for reasons that aren't very well articulated from him. Because um, I don't buy the like, oh, she's not suited to it. Like, what do you fucking care? Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And I, it's a bummer. I was hoping that you'd have a, a good explanation for me because it is a little confusing. Like, I guess it seems like, like what you alluded to, like they want a worthy opponent mm-hmm. and they're worried that they won't find that in Hermione Granger. So like they're going to be trying to have this this great contest they can become better fighting wizards and they feel like they're not going to get enough of a challenge from her to make it worth their time um well see, yeah see it, my it, read of that is that that's bullshit and that that like we are supposed to think that they're full of shit um that it that it's just some petty little oh they don't want her involved because reasons um and that the reasons suck. well they're certainly wrong right yeah, yeah they're right yeah we totally see that they're wrong <laughs> in the end but yeah i don't think we're supposed to think that there's a good reason for it other than them being petty and kind of deluded because um, it, cause it no, kind of goes sure in hand with them being like sort of like overly impressed with themselves and their military leadership skills. And I guess it was, I'm like, you yeah, totally makes, sound like 11 year olds. I mean, yeah, if that makes better, sense. No, I, w- I wasn't thinking that there was some actual good yeah. reason. I was curious if they thought they had a good reason. But I, I think yeah. that reason is simply and they wanted a worthy opponent and they're, that's they're what, yeah. feeling that they won't find it in her. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what they're telling themselves. I don't, that, that, I don't even think we're supposed to think that that's the real reason. It's just some sort of like lame trying to like even on this they're trying to win um just because they were super excited about having this great battle and they don't think you know hermione doesn't fit into their their little like manly man you know vision of of how that was all going to play out what's funny though like them looking like that contrast between you know their chest puffing you know bullshit posturing here versus like how actually small it makes them look sort of does make it look more uh, Ender's game-ish that we that we get into. There's later. There's like an explicit call out. He says like the enemy's gate is sideways. Um, but yeah, but like this this them like trying to be precocious and failing at it, kind of at least for me, it like puts it more in a vibe because most of the time I I don't read Harry as being the 11 year old that he's supposed to be. He reads as much older. Um, but this one it like did. I'm like oh you're just like a lame little 11 year old. I always sort of read him like like a little Ender. Um... It's like, yeah, Ender's technically a kid, yeah. but he's, like, not really a kid. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I get that vibe from him a lot. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'd be willing to bet that that was intentional. Yeah. What's what, I mean, um, this is making me think a lot about how I've, like, the my uncomfortable reaction to Harry this whole time. But there's something, because, like, through all of this, Harry's clearly being a douchebag here. But I at least feel like we're supposed to think he's being a douchebag. Like, this at least feels like it's going through a progression of the plot of like there is a reason for this and i'm not supposed to think that it's okay what he's doing right here um so yeah yeah no i can totally yeah. dig it um i like a little later at the line because um once harry and draco see that they're like not going to be able to convince coral to um not have it be uh hermione harry says is this some sort of plot and coral says must everything i do be some sort of plot can't i ever create chaos just for the sake of chaos that was a good line. Harry says no. And that was like, Harry's response to it was again, sort of like fawning adoration kind of thing. It's like not in your battle magic class. Other places maybe, but not there. Yeah. And I thought this is where Draco said something about his like worshipy tone, but maybe that was earlier. 
Um, but yeah, that that's that sort of reverence comes through. Yeah. And it turns out that he's right. This, I mean, well, I guess if it is a plot, it's not. I mean, it's not obvious. Yeah. In any case, uh, the reason that he agreed to have Hermione be the general was because he believes that no one else in their year can grow to give them the challenge that will keep them, mm-hmm. like, will actually uh, engage them fully. So while apparently Quirrell doesn't believe that Hermione has that yet, um, or at least says he doesn't, and Harry and Draco certainly don't, Harry eventually comes around to the fact that, oh, you're gambling on her because you think that she's the only one who can grow to challenge us. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. All right. So, yeah, then basically yeah, so Harry's like, well, now I'm speaking as her friend, and I feel like this might actually be hard on her, and you know, emotionally, and what you're asking of isn't good for her. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, Quirrell's like, well, uh, <laughs> this was kind of funny. He's like, your friendship to Hermione Granger does you credit, especially as you're able to be friends with Draco Malfoy at the same time. <laughs> um, and then he says, I doubt Miss Granger would appreciate your friendly concern. She asked me for the, for the permission, Mr. Potter. I did not ask her. And then Harry kind of goes straight with this, like, well, I guess we, you know, guess that's it then. Yeah. Um, they're both briefly freaked out because apparently he had offered to help, like, tutor her, and she said no. But at yeah. first they were like, wait, I didn't agree to fight you. That's totally unfair. And he's like, it's fine. She turned me down. You guys go train. Yeah. You got a battle soon. That so. line, too, he's like, I didn't, because what did he, he said, I never signed up to fight you, the way he says it. That, again, like, struck me as, like, like, intentionally, like, a failed line. Like, oh, shut up, Harry. I never signed up to fight you. Well, you're like, I mean, this is like a fake little battle exercise. And you're taking it way too seriously. I think I, I can see where you're coming from there. Like it's, it's, a, I mean, it's, it's pretend battles. They're using sleep yeah. spells. They're not trying to kill each other. But I think they, I think Harry's definitely seeing the, the value of like Quirrell isn't doing this for fun either. Right. I think he wants to like seriously train these people. So Harry is like, well, I'm going to be seriously trained then. I'm going to like figure mm-hmm. out how to fight in an army slash rule minions. And I'm not going to like goof around at the opportunity. Um, which actually, when you think about it, that's super Harry's character, right? Yeah. Like he, he has been wanting, I think an opportunity to, to be a leader like this. And he couldn't really manufacture this sort of thing on his own. But since it's a thing yeah. that's already happening at school, he's definitely not going to skip his chance. Yeah, I do think, whole, like, I, I do I think we're supposed thing. to see this as Harry overreacting, though. I think we're supposed to think Harry's taking it way too seriously. So Could yeah. be. I, uh, I, think the, I, never signed up to, I think the I never signed up to fight you line would be kind of like if, I don't know, if, say, you're a great chess, like a chess master, and, you're te- and I'm, your daughter is teaching me how to play chess, um, and then I learned that you're secretly tutoring her. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, I thought, like, I, I'm trying to, like, learn, not get yeah. my ass whooped. But then again, like, Harry doesn't even have money riding on the line. But he does have pride and dominance. And that's what he's worried exactly. about. So. Well, yeah, and I think that, um, like, it was, at least for me, what it made it jump out is that, like, okay, you're taking this too seriously. And you just got, like, too much of your ego, like, wrapped up in this. Like, he's the teacher. He's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. And this whole, and this isn't like this contest that you're, this great, I mean, even if you win this great contest, what you're doing is just winning the game that this guy completely, you know, invented and owns the parameters to. So, like, you, this is all still a, you know, a made up um, conflict that you're participating in. You're not going to, you know, there's no conquest to be had here. There's, you know, getting an A on the, on the lesson. You don't even get a hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess what they're when they mention Hermione mentions at some point that like what they I guess they are fighting over is like generals win a lot of points. Yeah. So they're fighting for that Christmas witch wish that he mm-hmm. had said he would do. Um, I'm not really sure what 
you could possibly wish for that would make the stakes high, but I guess we'll see what happens. So, um, so then Drake, the uh, the so then Draco and Harry are kind of like after that, they're, we, we get a lane break, which, so we fade to black, cut the commercial, come back. Um, and then Draco and this, I was a little confused. I didn't, I didn't quite understand, but so Draco and Harry are then like trying to scheme against Hermione and Draco's like, Oh, we should both attack her together so we can just eliminate her. Um, but the part I, and then Harry's like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, and they kind of go back and forth for different reasons. But then Malfoy is like, oh, please don't let Harry have figured out something, something. And I didn't quite get what it was that, and it turned, and Harry had figured out, but I was like, what was the part of that that you didn't think Harry was going to know? Did, did you understand that part? I think so. I think what he was, what he was worried that Harry was going to realize that, um, he could team up with Hermione in whether like directly against Draco, because Draco's obviously the mm-hmm. bad guy, or team up um, like, or, or, or in any case, not ally himself with mm-hmm. Draco. Um, and then when he had said something along the lines of, uh, um, oh yeah, so Draco says, why do you care? She's your rival, right? And then with just the right note of suspicion in his voice, don't tell me you started really liking her after being her rival all this time. And he says, founders forbid. <laughs> Which is kind of a cute way of saying, like, heavens forbid. Um, what can I say, Draco? I merely have a natural sense of justice. Granger does too, you know. She has a very firm grasp on good and evil. And she's probably going to attack evil first. Having a name like Malfoy is just asking for it, you know. <laughs> and that's where Harry's, or that's where Draco has internally is like, damn it. Because I think what he's realized is that um, <laughs> Hermione will probably go for Draco mm-hmm. first and and. Uh, Draco was trying to maneuver in ahead of Harry and say, "Hey, we should go for Drake, or we should go for Hermione, so that it's you know we the two of us can just fight fair." When really he just didn't want to get ganged up on, so he's pretty sure that's what's going to yeah. happen now. And then that's what leads him to his wonderful dramatic uh, interaction with Hermione when he goes to visit her in her general's chambers. Um, that was a great scene. It was yeah. awesome. In the audiobook, Inyash plays O Fortuna during that scene. What's that? Because it opens up saying, if it if it had been a play, there would have been dramatic music, and then it cuts with the O Fortuna like opening. What's O Fortuna? And then it's kind of played in the background. It's that popular song that you've definitely heard in commercials and stuff, and I'm not uh, about to try and oh, sing come it. Come on. But, um, absolutely like a falsetto. not. Yeah, uh, if only if I could, <laughs> I might. If I was a good singer, I would, but I'm not. So it's not even about being shy. I just know I, I wouldn't do it justice. Google it, you'll find it. Um, spelled just like it Fine. sounds. Or better yet, you can listen to this part of the chapter in the audiobook. Um, so I love this whole interaction <laughs> with Hermione and Draco. Um, yeah, there's a, so he like walks. Got, in, he, yeah, he wants to like make this grand entrance, and she's just like sitting at the desk in the room and like doesn't even get up. And there's, but there's desks in the. He wanted to like storm right up to her, but there's a desk in the way, so he has to like walk diagonally, and that's so he's like all thrown off and kind of irritated about it. Well, there was, there was a long oblong yeah. table directly in the middle, and he was like, if that had been, you know, if it was that calculated, if it had been his father, certainly would have been, but not mm-hmm. Granger. Um, but then we're sort of left to think, like, so, maybe it kind of was, we're not really sure, but... I, yeah. I totally get the impression yeah. that it was. Like, this was this was the kind of thing where, like, oh yeah, you know what, it'll be great. You you sit in the only chair in the room and make mm-hmm. it so he has to undignifiedly walk around a table to come talk to you and then stand there while you sit. All of that just sounds totally calculated to piss mm-hmm. off Draco. Um, <laughs> and then she even opens it up. Well, Mr. Draco Balfoy, you requested an audience with me, and I have been so gracious as to grant it. What was your plea? And then this next line again, I mean, it's 
a not innocent line, but it's a fairly mild line. He says, come with me, so these are just like his italicized internal thoughts, come with me to visit Malfoy Manor, and my father and I would like to show you some interesting spells, which just sounds sort of like PG-13 threatening, um, but like it, it called back to just his like creepy rape comment, because I guess maybe what I said, I'm like, oh, that's a, I think maybe as I was starting to read the sentence, I was expecting something a lot worse. Um, but even when it ended there, it just reminded you, like, oh, this guy is a psychopath. Yeah, I, I, it does have the the rapey undertone. I got more just like the kind of like torturey yeah. undertone. Yeah, or not, yeah, not even so. I think that, it's just kind of a bummer. Yeah, just that it like like that sentence on its own. Like if that if that was the worst that Draco ever said to anybody, then he wouldn't be all that threatening. But the fact, at least to me, like this was a not very at all threatening little thought for him to have. But it, really, all it did was remind me of like how much worse his actual thoughts are sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a drag because, you know, it would have been nice to believe that, oh, he's been cured of his blood purism mm-hmm. hatred through science, but not exactly. Apparently that still runs deep. Then again, maybe he just hates Hermione, so um, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be. He doesn't mention the word mudblood in this mm-hmm. uh, this internal thought here, but um, he, he lies and says that, that Potter came to him with an offer about how mm-hmm. he'd be humiliated if he wants. He wants to join with me and wipe you out immediately, and not just our first battle, and all of them. And... So I figured I would come tell you that, and uh, you know, because that 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 seems unfair. Um, <laughs> and then she says, "Well, that's very nice of you, Mister Malfoy. I'm sorry for how I spoke to you earlier. We should be friends. Can I call you Drakey?" Hermie. And then that set off alarm bells in his head. But there was a chance she meant it. So like he's he's sitting there thinking, like, I'm definitely being fucked with. But on the off chance I'm not, of course, if I can call you Hermie. <laughs> Hermie. There was another line I liked here. It says, so Granger was giving him a stern look that could possibly have intimidated him if he'd been a Hufflepuff instead of a Malfoy. I don't know if it stood out to you, too. He didn't say if he'd been a Hufflepuff instead of a Slytherin. He said a Malfoy. Like, that's the, like the way he thinks of himself is as a Malfoy first. I, I definitely think that's the case. Um, I think, you know, maybe he sees them as synonymous, yeah. but with, or like not necessarily, like they're, they're inseparable, but Malfoy's yeah. on top. Um, you know, if there was no Hogwarts, there would still be Malfoys, mm-hmm. goddammit. So, and so then he tries uh, to bribe her. I guess like once she's yeah. like clear that he's not going to be able to like negotiate or threaten her, um, he's like, "I'll give you a galleon," which to me like a galleon's worth like not a lot, right? I think yeah, it's like fifty um, bucks. Yeah, not enough to like lose your shit over. I was like, okay, then ten. So and then I think so she's like, "No, ten And he's like, starts to be haggling a little bit. He says three, and at least the impression I got is like she doesn't even really want any of the money. She just is like enjoying fucking with him and getting him to fail in a negotiation. That's yeah. totally the vibe I got too, especially because there's the line where um, she she counters with ten galleons, mm. and then he's like, "That's a lot of money," and she's like, "I don't know." The Malfoys were poor, <laughs> <laughs> and which is just like a complete kick to his family's nuts. And then, uh, and then what she uh, says after that is, "She says, I don't know if you know what a dentist is, Mister Malfoy, but my parents are dentists, and anything less than ten galleons isn't worth my time at all." Like at least the way I read that too is that for like she's fucking with him more knowing that he has no idea what a dentist is and that she's like trying to drop dentist as if she's like, you know, as if she's saying like investment banker or something. Yeah. That was yeah. exactly my read too. He, she, she knows damn well that he doesn't yeah. know what a dentist is. So she's like, I don't know if you know what this is, but my parents are this, are this thing. And you know, 10 gallons is, is chump change to me. Um, it's yeah, it was the whole thing was just delightful. Um, and then I like that. And then she comes up. She's like, "You must think I'm very stupid." And he's like, "Well, it, I had to check." 
It was like yeah. it was like kind of a it no, was kind of a smooth, yeah, it was kind of a smooth recovery too. It was like, well, yeah, I thought so, but as long as yeah, okay, no. It's it's kind of like almost a nice way of yeah. putting it too. It's like no, I didn't think you're stupid, but you know, I thought I'd check. Um. <laughs> but I like this whole thing ends <laughs> where he's just, like like he's like disappointed, like he's like, oh, I just got schooled, and it's kind of like yeah, and we're like thoroughly enjoying like how much she just like played him. She's like, see you on Sunday. Yeah. He's like, that had been not right. <laughs> The text doesn't say it, but I think it's implied, just like a polite little wave and a smile. Uh-huh. She says that. All right, cool. See you on Sunday. Um, <laughs> oh, then, yeah, then the chapter ends up with a little thing about how, um, hey, just, you know, so you know Hermione, it's Harry talking to Hermione now from his point of view. Um, and, oh, no, wait, it's from Hermione's, actually, because uh, there's this little um, inside thought, but it's just a short little section here. Uh, Harry's explaining, like, hey, you know, so we're supposed to plot against each other. So, you know, if you betray me or whatever, it doesn't mean anything outside the battlefield. Like, we're still friends no matter what happens. And then she says, it wouldn't be nice, Harry. <laughs> and she, and she's like, she had actually said that. Hermione didn't know whether to be insulted that, at what Harry thought of her or worried that she really did come off like that much of a goody two-shoes usually. And it's probably time to change the subject. And she says, hey, so what are you doing tomorrow? It's, uh... And then her voice cuts off, and he's like... Yes, Hermione, what day is it? <laughs> and then there's this Terry little third-person interlude about what October 31st is. Is that from original? I don't remember this. Is that uh, in the original books? I can't remember. Yeah. I feel like it might have been. And we're been. skipping over it. in any yeah. case, it kind of makes sense that they might make a holiday yeah, but Halloween isn't Halloween I guess anymore. It, Halloween is Harry Potter Day. Yeah. And to Harry, it's the Dark Lord Killed My mm-hmm. Parents Day, so he spends all day in his trunk eating snack bars and plays of meals and uh, writing a long letter to his parents. So... That's the end of that chapter. And then the great working, working in groups. Group. It's a good title. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So <laughs> so this this is like we talked about maybe what Harry was concerned about. Um, so it's it opens up with it was Sunday, November third, and soon the rest of the great three the, the excuse me. Soon the three great powers of their school year, Hermione Ah man, I'm botching it. Harry Potter, Draco Malfoy, and Hermione Granger would begin their struggle supreme for supreme dominance. And then in then in parentheses, Harry was a little annoyed about having about the way the boy who lived had been demoted from supreme dominance to one of three equal rivals just by entering the contest. Just by entering the contest, but he expected he'd get it back soon. I swear I can read. Um, <laughs> so they're in the they're in the non forbidden forest, which I like that it spe- specifies that because. I just love it how at the beginning when Dumbledore is like, that's why it's called the Forbidden Forest. If it was, if it was permitted, it'd be called the Permitted Forest. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all wearing um, camouflage. At least Harry's army is, it says. Did it doesn't it, say oh, what everyone else is doing. No, because like, everybody's got different little patches, like different insignias on their patches. Yeah, and, and it explains the tactfulness, like the the decision up to like how do you want to decorate your soldiers is totally up to you like do you want to do a bright armband so you can identify them at a distance cool but then the enemy can get your hands their hands on those on those armbands and so it i think it lends itself to like as much like battlefield realism as possible yeah yeah i think um, uh i'm reading it i think all the students not just harry's are in camo but yeah. i'll take your word for it so draco is so the so harry wanted to be the dragon army um and draco's like yeah. uh, my name is draco Draco had pitched a fit, and so that it would confuse everyone completely. <laughs> so Draco's the dragon army, and Harry is the what he said the uh, he decided that his army would be known by the simple and dignified appellation of the Chaos Legion. Their insignia had was a fit hand poised with fingers ready to snap. 
this was universally agreed that the or it was universally agreed that this was not a good sign. <laughs> I like how he's he's playing his little legend into it. And then Harriet encouraged Hermione to pick something scary like blood commandos or something, and she named her army Sunshine, Sunshine. Regiment, and their insignia was a smiley face. I got a, um, a Watchmen image in my head, like with a smiley face. I was like, oh well, if it's battle and it's a smiley face, then it's a smiley. F- I smiley did too. Face with I pictured the exact. I pictured the same yeah. button, and you know, I, maybe the author was too. But I, I just like how like a smiley face on a battlefield isn't like a a cute That's little true. thing to look at. It's kind of creepy. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. So, um, Harry's got his 23 soldiers and basically, oh, this is where it talks about the robber's cave experiment. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is one, we talked about replication crisis with, uh, Matt during our retro Mm -hmm. episode. And I don't know if something like the robber's cave experiment specifically has been, um, replicated. That said, the underlying principle, I think, uh, makes sense. Oh, it's very similar to the Milgram. Just like other groups. I mean, experiment. just remember school rivalries in high school, right? Yeah. Like, or actually, best example of this. Remember, did you play Pokemon Go when it came uh, out? Like for two weeks. And so maybe it took three weeks for this to happen. Maybe maybe it happened earlier on. But do you remember how vitriolic the hatred was of other teams? No, no, I didn't get into it that much. Oh, it was insane. Like, and it wasn't you. It wasn't universal, but you know, like different Reddit groups talking shit about the other teams. <laughs> and it's like you guys realize, like, this is compl- like it's just a the paint color that you picked for your little mm-hmm. sigil on your fucking phone app, right? But I, I literally saw posts on Reddit of people being like, yeah, those fucking pompous <laughs> team, uh, I forget what the yellow team is called, team instinct people or whatever. Oh, that's um, right. Everybody had like a little, I, yeah. Name. Oh, that's, yeah, no, it's been so long. Yeah, you got like a, you picked a, you picked a team. There were, yeah, there were like certain teams already in the game. I forgot about that. Yeah, so there are three teams and you got to pick one of three, but like, there was there was a somewhat like combative nature between mm. them, um, which which backs up some of the robbers' cave experiment, and it was conducted uh, after World War II by sheriff and sheriff. Um, I think there were two, uh, um, whatever social psychologists with the same last with the same name. And fun fact: one of the uh, professors that I TA'd under at CSU got his doctorate working under sheriff, uh, the guy who did the robbers' cave experiment. Um, oh, so you were but a the experiment. Measure, huh? Oh, yeah. Yep. You can tell because now I do exactly. computer science. Because um, <laughs> so we the, both the experiment was can't pay the rent with, and therefore computers. Uh, that's right. So, um, yeah, the Robbers Cave experiment, and I, I like I said, I bet something like this didn't specifically replicate, but the phenomena of um, isolating groups and then telling them about each other is enough to generate conflict in many cases. And then how you overcome conflict is an outside enemy, yeah. which we just mentioned Watchmen was kind of the whole point of that movie. So, um, yeah, the, the part of this that screams unre- or not reproducible to me is that it was 22 boys from 22 different schools had been divided into two groups of 11, but you're going to get what 22 kids from, middle-income families in new york in the 1950s mm-hmm. and just assume that like this is representative of the entire well, species that, like, no. if you're going to actually call something like an experiment that like is that reveals things that are worthy of generalizing into a general theory it's not one thing done once with 22 kids that's like you can't then model human behavior off of that right and that, that's part of what makes a lot of uh social science kind of a bummer and you know it, it the whole like the field is is full of valid stuff but like we talked about with the essence mm-hmm. of the replication crisis is that um you know so, some of the famous studies didn't replicate but i don't think that 
there were like gigantic things that were overthrown, at least things that weren't, that were widely accepted. Um, so, and like part of the reason for the unrepresentative samples of, of social science is that they're mostly done on college campuses with college students because you need them yeah. to do, you know, you get credits or whatever, or sometimes money on campus for participating in these studies. And so you're, Sample size is going to be your professors who want to retain, you know, who need to be, get published in something. So they're going to do a small study that's going to involve their students. And the population is going to be college yeah. kids, which is not necessarily representative of all humans. On Were Earth, you required so. to participate in experiments uh, for your major? Because I minored, I minored in psych and that was like in order to pass the class, you had to like be the subject for like three experiments or something. Yeah. I believe so. I know I participated in a couple for fun, too. Um so like one of them I got paid for, one of them I just was excited to do. <laughs> one um, of them, because they, and they purposely didn't tell you before you go in, they were testing, it had something to do with testing boredom. And so it was really, really boring. Wait, but was yeah, that one, one, of yours? one of the ones I had to do, I can't remember, I can't remember what, like what, because then like afterwards they will explain to you, you know, what it, like that, they will explain to you what it was they're trying to test for. Um, but before, but before That's they won't, I'm just like, oh my God, this is really boring. And turns out that was on purpose. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, so briefly, the, the Robbers Cave experiment took 22 boys from 22 different schools and separated them into two groups to, into two groups of 11. And the goal had been to, to uh, investigate what it took to start a conflict between two groups. But it turned out that all you really needed to do was have two groups. Mm-hmm. And the moment that the two groups became aware of each other's existence, uh, they began hurling insults at each other at the first meeting. And... They had given themselves names, the Eagles and the Rattlers. That's so like um, 1950s sounding. That sounds like something out of like West Side Story. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and you're just picturing like, like Boy Scouts G versus... boys. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, the fact, yeah, they hadn't, needed, they hadn't needed names for themselves when they thought they were the only ones in the park. But now that like, oh, we're part of a, uh, there's a competing group. Well, we need a name for ourselves. And then they develop stereotypes about themselves and each other. Um, and like they... So then, all right, cool, let's skip to the next phase. And what do we get to resolve group conflict? And, uh, well, uh, trying to get them to, like, hang out and have fun didn't work. So, oh, you know what? Uh, we'll tell them there were vandals in the park, and we need all 22 kids to help us work together to uh, solve a failure with the park's water system. A common task, a common enemy. And that's what unites mm-hmm. people. And then uh, there was a line in um, one of Sam Harris's books about, like, this sort of phenomena about intergroup conflict and he says that the downside that the only remedy that we really have is like uniting against a common enemy but barring an attack from Mm -hmm. outer space we don't really have one of those as a species um and i kind of like that image of like oh shit aliens are coming guys Mm -hmm. all right now we got to stop fighting over all this it totally feels true too like you could totally picture it yeah um you know if we're lucky you know some natural phenomena like climate change will help Mm -hmm. us unite with each other but you know eh, it's getting us away from the story so Harry was stoked that, uh, or he believed that Professor Quirrell, uh, Professor Quirrell had understood this principle very well indeed, and that's why he had chosen to create three armies per year, and not house segregated, except for that no Slytherins had been assigned to Draco besides Crabbe and Goyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how it's three armies, because then like you can't, it like inherently can't be balanced. There's going to have to be somebody ganging up on somebody else. Exactly. Um, which, yeah, seems deliberate. Um, and then, yeah, so like we, like it said earlier, Harry was pretty sure that Quirrell was on the side of good, even though he put on this air of darkness and pre- pretense of neutrality. Um, 
Which I didn't even get them, and because Draco later also makes him like, oh, I think he's, you know, a good guy. I didn't even understand from this what was it about this that made Harry think that that's some sign that Professor Quirrell is actually good. Because um, he, like he hadn't set up to where like, I, I think because this the armies were distinct from like the already kind of like uh, prejudice-inducing house system. Oh, where rather than yeah, just so it's not like we've got the Gryffindor uh, team, the Hufflepuff team, etc. It's like oh, okay. okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna overcome all of those things that for whatever reason, um, the school's already super prejudiced against each other from you know the beginning of day one. This isn't gonna this is not gonna be about that. So yeah. because it's how yeah, so yeah. if he'd done it in four, they could have just naturally split everybody by house. Gotcha. Right, and Harry's military strategy involves just kind of being crazy and chaotic all the time. Um, um, mm-hmm. You know, if the squad suggester, which isn't like the, you know, the commander or whatever, it's just like the suggester. If they say do something, you're allowed to disobey it if it seems like a good idea at the time, which is kind of like a fun avenue to take with your with your soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly one way to do it. Uh, certainly, like, follow my orders no matter what is probably a bad order. Um, but I like how it's just like their suggestions. You can do them if you want, unless we say Merlin says, in which case you're supposed to actually do it. <laughs> There was some. I think. I mean, there's something about some extent. It's just sort of like you know, random anarchist, whatever, uh, which is funny. But it also reminded me of. Um, now I'm blanking on the name. What was the uh, the Wall Street? What was you know the one percenter? What was it called? That movement. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall. Yeah, the Occupy Wall. It reminded me of that in the sense of like, oh, we're going to band together for the sake of not banding together like it's sort of like it's it's dysfunctionality is baked into it i mean as you remember ever seeing like they then they came up with this like system of like people would like wave their hands or something to like you know signal their agreement with something it was just all this like super weird wonky dysfunctional anarchy all i remember is that they had like one of the organizers in new york on the colbert report and when asked, like, what is your guys' objective, they didn't have an answer. Um, I know. So at that point, I sort of stopped listening to them. Um, well, like, we don't wrong. Figured, we, we're all we can't agree on that. With... Sorry, go ahead. I mean, yeah, they, they hadn't been able to agree on what it was. Yeah, and I think I, I remember, well, like, that was among the problems is that everybody would start to bring up, like, oh, we need to, like, worry about plastic in the ocean. Like, every, like, little thing started being, like, super important, and they just kind of completely lost focus. Yeah, which don't get me wrong. I think that the grievances and the, like the the sense for grievance there is super yeah. legitimate. Um, but yeah, they had, the they movement a, itself was perfectly organized. A hundred perfectly valid problems they wanted to solve. They just didn't have a yeah. coherent mission. Yeah. Um, and as far as the like constant us talking over each other, I think we've mentioned this before, but for some reason we haven't found a way around this. Both Google Hangouts and Skype will like dim the other yeah. other person's you, is it, uh, volume when, when one person's talking. So it's hard to tell if the other person's talking when you're talking. So if we're cutting yeah. each other off, that's why. It's, it's not because we're both super rude. I mean, it's that's well, true, but I that's not why we're totally talking to each other. totally super rude. So, <laughs> so now so we kind of get the, like, the, the intentionally cliched pre-battle scene. We're like going from each, we, we see harry's pre-battle scene and draco's pre-battle scene and i think we actually purposely never see hermione's right correct right i think um i just like how like harry's harry's legionnaires are like you know some are sitting some are standing on one leg just Mm -hmm. to be weird and they're all being kind of crazy um where's harry's speech that comes a little bit later yeah he um well but then first like harry walks up because 
because everybody's got an air force because um, that what are they like they're allowed like four guys on broomsticks in each one so Harry comes in he's like all wings report in and the first one is red leader standing by red five standing by I think these are like references from even different movies so red leader that's uh, Star Wars I don't think all of these are Star Wars I think some of these are like from something else as well I'm not up on catching all my references but we guess in the, like later he says like shields up in some other part but there's a lot of winking little names but yeah, where's um, yeah? Harry's just in love with space movies. I don't think we're not. There was quite the line that the... like Red Leader standing by said Seamus Finnegan, who had no idea what yeah. it meant. Red Five <laughs> standing by said Dean said Dean Thomas, who waited his entire <laughs> life to say it. <laughs> he didn't know he'd been waiting his entire life, but and then the moment um, came. It's perfect. Oh uh, yeah, so no, and then it's more like like uh, Harry like thinking through what what he thought everybody would do, and then he could sort of we get to see him thinking through what his plans are and basically his plans are to like sit back, like he's going to send out his, his air force to do recon and come back and report, but that he was um, purposely not going to, you know, commit to anything big until he could see what the other two were doing. I remember as I was reading that thinking like, oh, what, you know what, maybe all three of them are going to do the same thing and they're just going to sit around for a while, hoping somebody else does something first, but it didn't turn out to play that way, but <laughs> that'd be a fun, uh, yeah, fun spectacle to watch, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So um, we, yeah, so we don't get the Harry's uh, speech yet, but we get. So we do that where Harry sort of like we get get to hear Harry's explanation. He's sort of like saying like, well, like, and what what does Chaos Legion mean? And then we go to over to Draco and we get to like his version of the same thing, which is he's like the opposite. They're all super disciplined, and which again like made me think like, okay, this is like a silly like prepubescent eleven year old Draco Malfoy like being the great leader um so i thought that was funny but and then it sounds like though that he's uh that he's been sort of imitating you know military-ish things that he's seen um other like through his connections through with his dad he's i guess gotten some kind of privilege being witnessing of uh, what was it like people from uh were they aurors or something but he saw so like some the, the wizard version of something guys that were like special forces something-ish um, yeah, like orange so strike had, groups or something. Yeah, we're something in groups like that. of three. Um, so yeah, so he you know was tr- quote training his his guys to do the same thing. Like we later see that that was maybe not the best idea for him to treat little kids the way that uh, <laughs> would be effective for adults to be. Which okay, weird, stupid tangent. One of my uh, one of my friends growing up was super into uh, paintball, and he and his other like little teenager hooligans were all like, and they got really good at it. Um, and they were doing, they had some like weekend or something. This was in uh, the LA area. They were, they ended up being like weekend warriors against actual Marines. Um, they came up from Camp Pendleton. I think it was just, like somewhere in Orange County, California that they were, they were actually doing it. And then they were just like a bunch of teenage kids and they completely kicked the ass of the, of the Marines. Cause the Marines were fighting the way would be appropriate if there were guns and shit. And these teenagers were like sneaking around or like standing in a bush in plain sight and shooting at the other guy. Cause you can't shoot at somebody who's in a bush cause paintballs break. It was like dumb stuff. Like the, the Marines were doing like spider crawl maneuvers and like a bunch of stuff that left them totally vulnerable. So I thought it was like super funny cause these guys were, could clearly completely kick their ass and were in way better shape and had, but they'd been just in, trained wrong. So that was that's funny. hilarious. There's also so the fact, too, the, that... The, that was the that Draco Malfoy version. He was training them. My friend what? Yeah, your, your friend's contingent was also aware that the bullet, that the bullets were not lethal and thus were not trained yeah. to act as if they were lethal. And they're not yeah. worried about oh, it. Yeah, and they're not taking cover. And yeah, and they would just like... And that trick of, like, standing... Yeah, it would just be... Like, you could shoot through the bush real easily. Um, but 
nobody could shoot you. It would just splatter. <laughs> splatter doesn't count. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh no, um, yeah, actually, it was actually on Camp Pendleton, but that doesn't mean anything. To, um, they were actually able to go on to Camp Pendleton and have a paintball fight with the actual Marines. Something tells me that wouldn't work anymore. This is back in the this is back in like the late eighties. I don't think you could probably do that anymore. Yeah, probably not. But anyway, um, so Draco has a little pre-battle speech, which just is like you know, remember, um, you know, the the uh, Chaos Legion is not disciplined, and the Sunshine Regiment is not deadly. We are disciplined. We are deadly. We are dragons. The battle is about to begin, and he's being all super serious about it. so and then Harry Sackett. So you want me to re- you want me to read the silly ass? It was really good. The the silly ass Harry speech. I think so. I kind of pictured it's, um it's George C. Scott as Patton. Best kind of silly ass yes. thing. All right. I've I've had this I've had this saved somewhere for a while. If I ever get a chance, like give an impromptu motivational speech, I want to do this verbatim <laughs> and just freak out whoever's listening. So all right. I've intentionally read it loud not and listened to the audiobook because I'm sure whoever did this is gonna did it way better than I'm about to, but. So here I go. So Harry's talking to his troops. My troops, I'm not going to lie to you. Our situation today is very grim. Dragon Army has never lost a single battle. And Hermione Granger has a very good memory. The truth is, most of you are probably going to die. And the survivors will envy the dead. But we have to win this. We have to win this so that someday our children can enjoy the taste of chocolate again. Everything is at stake here. Literally everything. If we lose, the whole universe just blinks out like a light bulb. And now I realize that most of you don't know what a light bulb is. Well, take it from me, it's bad. But if we have to go down, let's go down fighting like heroes. So that as the darkness closes in, we can think to ourselves, at least we had fun. Are you afraid to die? I know I am. I can feel those cold shivers of fear like someone is pumping ice cream into my shirt. But I know that history is watching us. It was watching us when we changed into our uniforms. It was probably taking pictures. And history, my troops, is written by the victors. If we win this, we can write our own history. A history in which Hogwarts was founded by four renegade house elves. We can make everybody study that history, even though it isn't true. And if they don't answer the right way on our tests, they'll fail the class. Isn't that worth dying for? No, don't answer that. Some things are better left unknown. None of us know why we're here. None of us know why we're fighting. We just woke up in these uniforms in this mysterious forest, knowing only that there was no way to get our names and memories back except victory. The students in those other armies out there, they're just like us. They don't want to die. They're fighting to protect each other, the only friends they have left. They're fighting because they know they have families who will miss them, even if they can't remember now. They may even be fighting to save the world, but we have a better reason to fight than they do. We fight because we like it. We fight to amuse eldritch monstrosities from beyond space and time. We fight because we're chaos. Soon the final battle will begin, so let me say now, because I won't get a chance later, that it was an honor to be your commander, however briefly. Thank you. Thank you all. And remember, your goal isn't just to cut down the enemy, it's to make them afraid. Dong, dong, dong. That was a cool one. <laughs> I think when I first read it, it took me a while. Like, there was a couple things that were kind of funny at first, but, like, it took me a while to realize, okay, like, this is over-the-top ridiculous. So I was, like, kind of, then, like, I had to, like, play it back. I'm like, oh, okay, this is all silly. But, you know, it was good. It was, like, you know, go all in on being silly. Yeah, when you're reading it the first time, I can't quite remember. I think, I'm not sure how long it took me reading it, to realize like okay this is just trying to be fucking mm-hmm. hilarious and it was probably it was probably at the line where um 
you know, I can feel the cold shivers of fear. I like think, like, I ice think cream yeah, it was the same one for the ice cream. It's because because that sentence like starts to work like oh like cold ice in your veins or something. Like wait wait what? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that a lot. So then the a great booming gong echoes over the forest and the Sunshine Regiment begins to march. The Sunshine um, Regiment. So basically, uh, they get the reports back from the troops, uh, both Draco and Harry do, that there are 14 soldiers heading each direction towards Dragon and towards Chaos from the Sunshine Regiment. And Harry's like, well, hold on. Like, you can't just divide your forces like that. You're going to get fucked. And then Harry realized, oh, she's being fair. Now, I think I was like, um, when I read that, I'm like, no, nah, she's not. There's something going on. It's just I think I thought, I mean, I, I it's been so long for me since the first time. But yeah, it, it's clear that like she she's the nice goody two shoes. And she is. That's part of what makes her delightful. Mm-hmm. But she's not stupid. Yeah. She's not going to just go in there and get trounced like that. So Yeah. And I like 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 just in general how she fits into the story. Like she is nice, but it's not. That's not the like, oh, well, too bad. Hermione's the nice one. So she can't be effective at anything. It's like, no, no she's, she's nice, nice and one. she's badass. So they never suspect it. Yeah, she's fucking killer. Oh, yeah, so Draco, actually, he doesn't think that she's fighting fair. He thinks that she's going to faint lying, and yeah. go on and converge on somebody. Um, and then this is where we get badass Drake or badass, badass Neville. Uh, Neville, which I really yeah, like. I like, and this is nice I think maybe this is the scene that reminded me that, like, because there was, he does some kind of ridiculous, I mean, we kind of get it, it was, like, awesomely ridiculous, but um, some, like, flying up through the air, just, completely over the top action movie military maneuvers. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is like ridiculous. And that's what made me think, but, but like, I'm so along for the ride that I don't care. And they're on flying broomsticks. I guess those maneuvers are possible, but yeah, they're, they're, and he does like a double, I think he does uh, something that's like intentionally supposed to be a double jump. (laughs) Like he gets like launched up into the air. Yeah. The superhero jump. But yeah, so there's the line that I liked a lot when Neville or when Harry asks if Neville wants to be a um, a squad suggester mm-hmm. um, or I guess a lieutenant. I forget what they're called. But there's the quote here that I liked where it says, Harry had said quite a long, lot of things to Neville in private, starting with, you know, Neville, if you want to become as awesome as the imaginary Neville who lives in your head but isn't allowed to do anything because you're scared, then you really should sign up, prof- sign up for Professor Quirrell's armies. Mm-hmm. And Neville was sure now that the boy who lived could read minds. There was just no way Harry Potter could have known. Neville had never talked about that with anyone or given any sign, and other people weren't like that. Not that Neville had ever noticed. <laughs> it's funny because yeah, I like that because like Neville thinks he's concealing this this thing about himself perfectly, mm-hmm. and so if I'm he hadn't noticed that other people, person that's because in the they're universe. yeah, because they're also doing the same mm-hmm. thing. But I like that it this this also shows that Harry does understand people somewhat, like. Um, maybe he understands Neville particularly well because they're friends or something, but everyone has that in their head, right? What I really like about that that line there is that, of course, no one would... If, if you're running around thinking you're the only person with this problem, then it's you're, you're, he's thinking about it the wrong way. Like, other people have this, this mentality in themselves too, but Neville's concealing it, and obviously so is everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's a point in people's lives when they realize, like, okay, yeah, I can stop like being afraid and just do the things I want. And that's what Harry's trying to encourage Neville to do. Um, and it seems to have worked for him. He's having a good time. Yeah. He says being part of an army, there was something stirring inside him as he marched through the forest with his comrades. Um, and then he, mar- he, he, and then, of he course, didn't have to march, but he wanted to march. He could have just walked, but he liked that's, marching. That's right. And of course, their their march tune is uh, Darth Vader's theme, the Imperial March. 
And so they're just, as they're marching along the whole squad, I just picture a bunch of kids marching through the forest <laughs> and, you know, little battle fatigues going doom, 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 doom. Were you, I was reminded when I read that of um, Full Metal Jacket at the end. I don't know if, uh, have you seen it? You have to see if you haven't seen it. You know what? I have not. I've never seen it. It's really, really good. But yeah, the end is there. I know. Uh, they're, as it wraps up, they're like marching out of this like city that they completely like destroyed. Um and and they're marching and they start singing the uh, Mickey Mouse theme, um, and that's their like march. They're marching kids. Who's the leader of the club that's made for you and me? Damn, I see. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Although I took issue that it was written in here as doom, 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 and at least in my head, like I can't sing it as doom being the whole words. Like some of them have to be do do. Like I can't doom do. It, it was doom. challenging. Inuyash pulled it off in the audiobook. Yeah. Gotta, I think I think the fact that some of them are hyphenated, doom 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 or whatever helps a bit. But yeah, you switch there's a way to do it. There's a way to play it in your head, but it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> anyway, so then Harry's staring at the bodies of the uh, like just trounced group of uh, the squadron that they had met of the Sunshine Regiment. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, by the way, the spell they're using is the simple sleep hex. Um, yes, yeah, and so if it's yeah, so that knocks them out. And then if they're on broomsticks, since you can't put a kid to sleep while they're flying a broomstick, um, they do a thing that makes them light up a color or something, I think red. So uh, I just like, so, you know, they've, they've got their non-lethal ways of dealing with their targets. Um, so, yeah, Harry says, okay, everyone, let's be clear on this. Uh, that wasn't a real fight. That's General Granger making a mistake in her first battle. Today's actual fight is Dragon Army. It's not going to be like this. It's going to be a lot more fun. Now let's move out. Um, more fun. Yeah. And then... Oh, yeah, and then we get to see... So then uh, we cut over to Draco's army, and we get to see... And I wasn't ever... I don't know if this was from the original, but I, I was surprised when I read this. That like, So Goyle is, uh, like, hauling ass and just, like, being really impressive on a broomstick. And I don't... I didn't remember that. It was kind of cool. Like, oh, he's, like, super good at that. And it was also interesting... Um, I said, so Goyle says, Potter's coming, Gregory said, with no trace of his usual fake drawl. Um, that he's, so it sort of like calls out that, you know, he's not the goon. He's not actually the goon. That's all an act. So I thought it was just kind of an interesting, like, he's like really good on the broomstick and he's, you know, not the, you know, dumb sounding goon. I thought it was kind of an interesting thing to see this, like, other, like, okay, oh, the real Goyle is actually much more threatening. And much more competent. Yeah, yeah, he's not playing the goon right now. He's, he's yeah. being serious. And I liked the line, too. It's like, it wasn't dangerous showing off. Gregory Goyle simply was that good, and yeah. he didn't waste time. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who could drive like that. Um, it was dangerous showing off, but he was all, he was also really good. So mm-hmm. I don't think he ever crashed. Um, not doing any of the crazy shit we did anyway. Uh, anyway, um, so Draco's confident because it's discipline against chaos. They should be fine. Uh, this is out of the cool thing with, with Neville. Um, well, first off, he's got yeah, his, they're screaming like, you know, blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull <laughs> throne, and just being like, the enemy's, oh, yeah, gate, the is enemy's gate is sideways. Oh, and before yeah. that, he says, shields up, power to forward deflectors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we get like Neville, so, and that's when, like, some, I think Neville takes out a, 
couple. Oh no! So Neville like accidentally runs through the like the line of people and like gets in between two of them and he falls down, and they're like afraid to shoot each other, and the fact that he just you know fell on his face uh, makes them they think that they actually you know got him and that he's been knocked out, but he's actually just like sitting there, and so he realizes that that they think he's dead, but he's like sitting like right in the middle of them, and so he's able to like. That was what I thought was interesting, that, like because it's supposed to sort of be like he's got like everybody's got guns and they're shooting each other, but it's not really a gun, so he can just sort of whisper like somnius and or somnium, and that like shoots a guy, but they don't know where the hell it came from. And they're like, wait, what? Uh, and they, so they like run off, and then he uses a like a ventriloquist um, spell to make it sound like he's coming from somewhere else. And then they like shoot at him somewhere else, um, which and then but what he yells as a ventriloquist is for Cthulhu and glory. Um, how did he learn that? Or is Cthulhu like a, like, I wonder if like in Wizard World, Cthulhu is like a real thing for them. Or is that, is that a reference maybe, out to Muggle World? Maybe Harry World, or books like or thing? just told them to say this random shit. Yeah. Or I, I'm wondering, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of liking to think like maybe that's a real thing that we just never talk about. Like the only reason Muggles know that word is because it's an actual thing that wizards have to deal with. That would be cool. Cool. <laughs> that's the thing wizards have to deal with like every 30 years. Every like, 30, oh yeah, yeah another, Cthulhu, another Cthulhu thing. Um, but yeah, I and think that's the special attack, the chaotic leap. Sleep that's what he calls it, and that's where he does his like, yeah, his, his, like double jump trick, and he like gets launched up in the air, and then, and then while while he's up in the air and jumps over their shield, he takes out a couple guys. And this was like all of this yeah. is so totally over the top ridiculous, but it was totally awesome. And they're clearly just having fun. Like yeah. this is not like having half. I don't know how many people it takes to levitate a mm-hmm. kid, but since it's more than one, it's got to be. It's got to be some number of his squad is levitating him rather than shooting the enemy. Yeah. And so they're clearly mm-hmm. just you know being chaotic and having a good time. Um, but says, I, I, like I am the, Neville, uh, the last the, scion of Longbottom. <laughs> Neville of Chaos, face me if you dare. And then, <laughs> and then when Neville woke up afterwards, he was told the Dragon Army had taken this as their cue to counterattack. But there's another piece of tactic that I think, um, I can't remember if it says that outright or not. It must. I, I don't think Somnium like, has a flash of light or anything, mm. or like a beam or a flying spell. So I think you just say it and point out what you're hitting, or point out what you're aiming at, and it hits them or it doesn't. But I think it's invisible. Mm. And so if you're laying down, ca- uh, casting it quietly, you know, you're, you're basically invisible, yeah. right? Um, so that adds some cool battlefield tactics to it. Um, and then the next scene is Harry, and he's frustrated as they lose another person because Goyle is just flying mm-hmm. around, just sniping down his team. And they apparently lost more to Goyle than they lost to the entire Dragon Army put together. And he's trying to figure and out, like, he can't. He's thinking of, like, the things he could do, what you can't do because they're too dangerous for somebody on a broomstick that he might actually hurt Goyle if he did, so. Right. I, I, I mean, the continuous beam of the hover charm was actually kind of creative, like just catch Goyle in that. And then when he hovers off of his broom, <laughs> then he'll fall. But he's like, oh, I can't kill him. It's a game. Um, so he just luminoses the hell out of it and uh, apparently loses consciousness. But it's not the same thing as being mm-hmm. shot. So it doesn't count as him dying in the game. But it does reset his uh, his ring that he was transfiguring oh, or yeah. the stone in his ring. So he has to... Um, there's actually the nice little thing there about, um, at least that was always uh, a good lesson to learn the easy way rather than the hard way. And Professor McGonagall, mm-hmm. again, being the senior badass of Transfiguration, had the foresight to say, "Let's practice for a full month with a marshmallow." <laughs> so if you're if it does if the Transfiguration does fail, you don't blow your arm off with this gigantic rock, right? Um, so so and then, then when he anyway. wakes up, um, 
and I, so that was at first like we thought like oh okay he got shot but that wasn't it um but then when he wakes up it's sort of like the the battle's kind of over like they're in a stalemate it's not over over but like the bulk of the battle has finished and then this is the part that seemed and then so draco is just sort of wait was he like floating or something but he's like inside of like a shield so he's able to like stand there gloating um but they can't shoot him back and that whole thing like as i was reading i'm like oh and this is the the classic like bad guy uh scene where the fact that he wants to stand around and gloat and explain what his evil plan was is how he ends up getting taken out because i'm like why are you standing there dude like get away yeah, he's got this. He's got this powerful shield that mm-hmm. can deflect with some control. Apparently, what direction the spells yeah. that hit it bounce off at, but he can't move while he's under it. So he's just kind of like, I guess I'm uh, gonna hang out. Um, maybe we'll, his plan is maybe we'll, maybe we'll run out of time, and Fresh Quirrell will call yeah. it a draw. <laughs> and then this is where Harry um, like tells him like, okay, that your cool little have everybody go into trios and face away from each other and blah 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 like. Uh, that would have worked really well if they were grown-ups that knew what they were doing, but it's not great for kids that are just flailing about. And he said that the fun part of that is that he, he had imparted that lesson to Draco oh, already, yeah. but Draco probably just interpreted it as like him trying to distance him from his dad, which in fact he was, but it was also good advice. Um, and then, so Harry's using a battery and jumper cables from his, from his pack. I fucking love it because I, I totally am with that. Like, if I had a bag of, of holding that could have, I don't know how big the inside space is supposed to be, but, um, you know, if there's room, I'd definitely carry, totally. you know, battery pack or two and jumper cables and just, you know, ways to make electricity, ways to make fire, ways, you know, extra food. Because yeah, that's like all he's this got, stuff. I've been starting to think of like his trunk is like the TARDIS and his bag, his, uh, his little mini bag is, uh, do you ever watch Felix the cat? He had his bag of tricks, which is basically, it was the, it was the same like bat belt theory that whatever he needed was in it. So Love it. Like, I just picture it as what's, I think, I don't know if this is a trope or not, but I've always heard it commonly referred to as the magic ass from video games ass. where it's like, you know, you just, you swap mm-hmm. weapons and you've got room for like two gigantic great swords and all you do is reach behind you and you pull out this gigantic <laughs> thing or like, Link with his mm-hmm. bombs, you know, he's got his bombs, his bow, his other kinds of bombs, his other things. And it's like, dude, you don't even have a backpack on. Where are you keeping that stuff? But your, um, your magic ass discreetly can hold 10 and no more than 10 things. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just occurred to me in the game, like in Ocarina of Time, you've got the, the iron boots that if you're wearing them, you, you can walk on the bottom of oceans. But if you're just carrying the boots, they don't make you sink. <laughs> You have to have them on your feet. I guess they're magic. Um, anyway, so they're, he's trying to shock Draco's uh, um, his shield down. And then out of the woods comes flying like this lightning mm-hmm. bolt of green, of generating the, of like, uh, how is it described? Um, like a, yeah, a, a spiral yeah. of green energy shot out of the forest and smashed into his shield, which shrieked like pieces of sharp glass being rubbed together. And Draco staggered. And then... Uh, Harry gets up, shoves his shit back in his bag, and <laughs> so he and his team shield up, and he's like, "Hey, uh, Draco, did you uh, did you get General Granger? Or would you mind telling me if you got her?" And he's like, "Yes, yes I mind. mind." And it's like, "Oh hell!" <laughs> but and that it actually it wasn't and Hermione then, that who we heard, and I think that's our first like clue that this wasn't, and that and we get to see in a little bit that was like their basic misunderstanding that this this wasn't the Hermione show this was the Hermione acting uh, as part of a team which is the uh, significance of the uh, title of the chapter but yeah that's like our first little hint that I didn't get at first 
but that it was because I thought maybe at first it was like, okay, Hermione did get taken out, but you know, not everybody on the team. But no, it just turns out that um, somebody that it's not only Hermione that Hermione's not leading. Hermione is like cooperating with her team, and so it's somebody else from her team that took out the shield. Well, I got the impression that she she shot the shield spell, and then from somewhere else. Oh, that somewhere came else. Out. Oh, okay, but that wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. but in any case, you're right that it has that it's not just her, and she chose now to strike. Yeah. It's uh, her and much of her yeah. team. It's not sure how much, but there's a large contingent of Sunshine soldiers still around, mm-hmm. um, and they've got their battle song, which I will uh, I'll recite when we get to the end of the chapter, mm-hmm. um, and then. Draco's like, wait, Granger cheated. She woke up her soldiers. Why doesn't Professor Quirrell? And then Harry's like, he says there's a sick, sickening uh, sickness already turning in his stomach. He really hated losing. He's like, let me guess. It was a really easy battle, right? They dropped like flies. Yes, we got them all the first shot. And then Draco realizes. And he's like, no, we, we didn't. <laughs> so their, their, their battle plan of like, all right, line up. They're all going to think we're a bunch of idiots. And then have them shoot once everyone fall like he got hit and then everyone who didn't get hit we regroup mm-hmm. and attack when they're weak well, i think it was good um, though that she had planned it as well apparently not she like they had planned it um, not just that they would do that but that to make it look plausible they would you know quote foolishly split themselves up so that it didn't look suspicious that they got, completely got their ass kicked and that also like their the reasoning for them splitting themselves up like what harry thought it was like oh she's being fair like they, she made it look like, not only made it look like a lose, made it look like it was plausible that they would lose, but also that the thing that she did also seemed believable. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. And then it switches to Hermione's point of view, which is the first time we've gotten it all, the whole battle. It says General Granger surveyed the battlefield with a de- with a definite feeling of satisfaction. She was down to nine sunshine sunshine soldiers. That's a tongue twister. So I guess that means that there's 10 total out of the, what, 23 left. So she had a really good ratio that managed to fake being taken out. Um, But that's probably good enough to handle the survivor of the enemy enemy forces, especially when Pravati and Anthony and Ernie were already holding their wands on General Potter, on General Potter, whom she'd ordered taken alive. Well, (laughs) conscious. It was bad, she knew. It was real, but she really, really wanted to gloat. <laughs> and Harry says, "There's a trick, isn't there?" Showing strain in his voice, there has to be some trick. You can't just turn into a perfect general, not on top of everything else. You're not that Slytherin. You don't write creepy <laughs> poetry. No one's that good at everything. And Hermione Granger, Hermione Granger glanced around at her, at her Sunshine soldiers and then looked back at Harry. Everyone was probably watching this on their screens outside. Which I think is the only indication that we get that everyone's watching this, like on the TV mm-hmm. screens, like in Professor yeah. Kroll's classroom. Well, yeah, and we, yeah, which is kind of fun. We had talked about that in the beginning. You get to watch TV yeah. at Hogwarts. Um, oh, I can do anything if I study hard enough. Oh, now that's just bullshit. <laughs> well, <it's laughs> she funny, knocks him out. Like when I read that, I'm not. The way I read that, I'm not entirely sure that they're kidding. Like, not in a bad way. I think like there's. I mean, obviously not that like nakedly true but i think there's some element of that that we're supposed to take is like you know at least from the sense of like if you work hard good things will happen i think there's some element of that that we're actually supposed to like you know take as sincere well i think that part is true but that's not what she's saying she's saying i can do anything if i study hard enough which she's which is not what she did to win right she's just trying to make uh harry like suffer yeah because she didn't do this through heavy, through hard studying. She did it through other creative yeah. uh, maneuvers here. So um, anyway, Sunshine wins. And then, niceness has triumphed, cried General Granger. <laughs> and then, 
What's the moral of today's battle? We can do anything if we study hard enough. And the, and the survivors of the Sunshine Regiment marched off toward the victory field, singing their marching song as they went. Don't be frightened, don't be sad, we'll only hurt you if you're bad, and send you to a home that's true, with new friends to watch over you. Be sure to tell them you were sent by Granger's Sunshine Regiment. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-C. There you go. I'm not following that's, that uh, That's That was the end of uh, Full Metal Jacket. Was the oh, right. Away. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that or the Mickey Mouse song, but yeah, it's perfect. Um, I also just love how her battle, uh, whatever, her battle cry, you know, Harry's was the Imperial March and hers was this <laughs> adorable little song about studying and being nice. Um, so then we move on to Working in Groups Chapter 2, or Part 2, Chapter 31. Um and it starts with Harry pacing back and forth in his office, just being super mm-hmm. pissed that he can't figure out how she did this. Had she read it in a tactic book? Uh, but it hadn't been just that one tactic. You know, her forces had been perfectly positioned to block any retreat. Her, her troops had been better coordinated than his or Draco's. And he's like, did Professor Quirrell break his promise and help her? Did he give her the diary of General Tacticus or something? <laughs> General Tacticus. Um and so he's he's frustrated he can't figure it out and then he's like well fine i guess i'll learn that breaking drill hacks from hermione or someone before the next battle um plus he really needed to figure so he's just getting down to like thinking mm-hmm. about the next battle and uh you know um how to win the next time he's he's done trying to figure out how this one worked out um yeah like and then we cut the draco then, i like that like neither of them can figure it out draco gets yeah. it i think well do we I mean, um, yeah i guess because he never i guess so Although you got it. it. I didn't figure it out, I think, until after I talked about this chapter with somebody my first time. So you, I think you figured out what her strategy was. Well, stra- uh, or, well, how she won. Yeah, well, no, I, think, I mean, that's kind of like just explicitly laid out that she it wasn't her. It was and that that was the difference between what she did and what Draco and Harry did. Like they tried to be great generals and she sort of did the um, Occupy Wall Street version, <laughs> um, except it works. Um where she like asked everybody, it was Emily was just sort of the like uh, you know I'm not the one with all the answers, but there's smart people here working with me too, and we can you know we can together figure out something smarter than any one person could just come up with on their own. Um, and I think it was like an interesting yeah. like contrast because for like for both Harry and Draco, it was this very like chest thumpy kind of you know like the one great man is going to figure this out, and like it was from their point of view, it was it wasn't. You know, it wasn't dragons versus chaos. It was Harry versus um, Draco. Um, and so, and that everybody else was just there to be like, you know, stage dressing. But for Hermione, it was, okay, there's other smart people um, on this and we're going to come up with something that's going to fool them. Yeah, I like that a lot too. Because like, uh, and I guess I can't remember what confused me when I first read this. Because yeah, that part's clear and it's, it's spelled out. So, well, uh, in Draco's POV, it, he's he's noticing that this is all like, kind of uh tripping him up and then he's like okay hold on i noticed that i'm confused and he's like okay something i believe is wrong and then he, he's reading the rules again and then he finds it it was right there it, i think it also alludes to it because it mentions when he goes to general granger that like the general offices are really big and he couldn't figure out why draco thought it was like a status symbol mm-hmm. but in hermione's uh general room it's a and but so then here is so she actually does like lay it out or the whole situation does explicitly. So as they're talking about it afterwards and uh, Hermione's talking about it with her people, um, she says, I mean, it seems kind of obvious to me who would try to come up with all the ideas just by themselves. Harry said Hermione at exactly the same time Zabini said Malfoy. 
So they like both say it like simultaneously. Malfoy thinks he's a way better than everyone else, said Sabini. And Harry doesn't really see most other people like that, said Hermione. And then this then this next paragraph I called out and was I think a really good line for me was um, it was kind of sad actually. Harry had grown up very, very alone. It wasn't that he went around thinking in words that only geniuses had a right to exist. It just wouldn't occur to him that anyone in Hermione's army besides Hermione could have any good ideas. And I really like that because this again, like it, and why I keep like going back and forth on it, like this showed me like, okay, this is on the stuff that's been going on that has been rubbing me the wrong way uh, is on purpose. Like there's some awareness here that, um, you know, that the fact that Harry's this, you know, arrogant douchebag is on purpose um and that we're aware that that's what's what's going on um so yeah i really like that and then it's like it's just sort of like an awareness of the story about about itself so and then it was like just a good like aha like that's the punchline to all of this is that you know hermione was doing something that it didn't occur to the other guys was even a way to do it well from from harry's perspective he was i think he saw his team like as a team of people to work with but he didn't like it didn't even occur to him to consider like, hey, what do you guys think should be a good strategy? Yeah. And Draco, of course, wouldn't think that. But he realized the mistake um, after the fight. But I liked, uh, yeah, I mean, her might, or yeah, General Granger's perspective on it was she's like, all right, I'm a general, but that doesn't mean I have to come up with every idea by myself. Let's yeah. actually talk down with my with my very smart squadron of trained people and see what yeah. we can figure out. Um, and like, there's also a nice redeeming line here for for your boy Ron that you, that you would have liked. So, um, Where was I? when they're debating, they're trying to think of like how long it'll take them to figure it out. And Hermione says, it'll take Potter forever unless Malfoy tells him or one of his own soldiers realizes. And then really said Captain Ernie McMillan, who was looking up from the corner table mm-hmm. where he's being crushed at chess by Captain Ron Weasley. Captain Ron Weasley. So not only was he being crushed at chess, which is also a canonical mm-hmm. Ron thing. Um, but yes, Captain Ron Weasley. <laughs> so, that's nice. Yeah, like it's that like he's, he's Draco's dumb. just too much of an arrogant fuck to like even because I don't I don't even know that it's so much that like Draco thinks that other people couldn't do it. It's just that well I'm the most important person here, so I get to be the leader. But for them, from Harry's perspective, it's just that like well nobody's nobody's smart enough to have a good enough idea, so it's all up to me to figure out what the right thing to do is. Totally, um, and it caused him to underestimate his opponents because he was only considering Hermione's yeah. tactics. Uh, as she could generate them, but he didn't think that, oh, she might consider the idea of asking other people, <laughs> which is just so alien to him. Um, yeah, I loved it. And then, uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, that's about it for the chapter. She's um, going to go off and talk with Zabini about like trying to think of strategies for the next battle. And uh, I just like the, the last little line here was, she still had no idea what she was going to do with Professor Quirrell's, with Professor Quirrell's Christmas wish either. Maybe she would just just ask Mandy if she wanted something when the time came around. Like she's not even in this. Like the the other ones are yeah. like, I've got to win. I've got to be a badass. And she's like, I just wanted to you know be my own person and do my own thing. And and you know I don't even really care what this whole wish business is about. So, um, it I I like that her stakes aren't like whatsoever like greedy that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Are we actually gonna wrap yeah. up an episode in under two hours? Oh uh, no, no. I really like this. Is really good. Um, I guess three chapters. This last one, it was like a three-page chapter, chapter 31. Um, no, this is really good. And then I guess, it, is it not, it's not really laid out like we know there's going to be more, um, but it, like the the rule, not so much the rules, but the plans for how many of these, uh, we don't really know yet, do we? 
what, how many battles? Yeah, how many be? battles are going to be? Is it, was it laid out at all for us to know? It sounds like they know, but we don't know. Um, they, I'm not sure. Yeah, we don't know yeah. um, how many they're supposed to be. I think all it knows is that whoever has the most quarrel points at Christmas wins the wish, and it's like November 3rd oh, is when okay. the first battle took place. So that's coming up quick. So it can't be that many more. Yeah. But I'm not sure if they're supposed to have a battle every weekend or whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah. I guess we'll see. Cool. Well, I'm glad these had fun for you. It was a good time. I enjoyed it as well. Alrighty. So next time, what are we doing? We're doing three to, we're doing quite a chunk next time. Yeah. It's tough to divide the next one. Um, just because like, and I think I mentioned this earlier on, like at some point, some of these, some chapters get really, really long. Some chapters will be longer than any chunks we've done so far. And then some are ridiculously short. Like this chapter, chapter 31 and 32 are both really short. Mm. Um, and then 33 leads really well into 34. Um, in fact, 33, 34, and 35 are part of a three-parter. But I think the third part of that one can, we could save until the next next episode. So for next episode, we are doing chapters 32, 33, and 34, which is the interlude on personal financial management and then coordination problems parts one and two. And other than that, just remember that you guys can always swing over to join us on the Discord at uh, on Doof Media's Discord if you swing over to Patreon first and throw them a buck. Um, Which uh, I don't know. I I always stress this. You know, at the point, what was that? A whole dollar. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I always want to stress this whenever it comes to the point of like, hey, we're producing stuff. If you want to throw us some money, if if you're at any point in your financial uh, situation where you will notice the loss, then please don't. Um, uh, but you know, if you can, you know, spare the cost of a, a buck or a cup of coffee a month to help keep this podcast and the other awesome podcasts on the Doof Network alive, such as the Doofcast or We've Got Ward. Um, I want to hear from anybody personally. If you get onto the Doof Discord, uh, find me and send me a message, a uh, direct message, because I won't see it if you just throw it in any general chat. Um, but send me a direct message if you guys find on Doofcast. Get down there and search for any movie or TV show you like and listen to the review of it. And I don't want to say if you don't like it that I'll give you your dollar back, but <laughs> I am prepared to make that bet up to the first two people. But I don't expect to look at those two people. I think if you guys go on there and find a review of something that you enjoyed, even if you don't agree with everything they say, I think you'll like the way they say it. So if, check if, out Doofcast. If you don't like it, I'll, I'll and you being the listener, I, I will buy you an empanada. You have to come and get it with me, but I will buy you the empanada. Yeah, you fly to Denver, <laughs> you get yourself an empanada. Which reminds me, we enjoyed some empanadas on Monday, didn't we? Did. we? It was tasty. I'm a, I'm, I'm a yeah. fan. It was great. Yes. And, but they're and not in return, the, the other, the other cool they're thing, just fun and cheap. Yeah, so. the, the other cool thing yeah. about the, the dollar arrangement is that you're never going to hear me talk about like Geico insurance or like how delicious this pack of chips I'm eating right now are like nothing fuck that yeah you know recording these podcasts makes you really tired and that's why i'm glad i have this awesome purple mattress purple it's the <laughs> yeah, best kind right. of mattress on the market yeah oh it's so disconcerting in here like, although people would think we're shilling for maria's empanadas but I, I, uh, I, not. i'm getting just, no, i don't even get free empanadas out of them no yeah they're just conveniently located no. between our two offices downtown so and actually it's more way more conveniently located to me i realized so. the other day that i'm like the i am to latin america as a weibo is to japan so well, good. A Latin America needs more weebs. All right. Well, with that, I'm ready to call it. Right on. Uh, and we will see you guys next week for chapters uh, 32, 33, and 34.
Good deal. See you, buddy. Later.